I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's that time of the week again. The Rugby League rant, fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard and get ready for an hour of nothing the NRL tour. And we finally arrived at the NRL final series after a pretty topsy-turvy 2018. A crazy top eight box head. Never, ever have we seen all the top four locked on the same points and the bottom four of the top eight locked on the same points. And last weekend, obviously coming down to four and against, and there was a lot of shuffling of positions over the weekend. But as we thought last week, there was a high possibility that the Storm could lose with players out and they ended up having more out than expected and that the Roosters could beat Parramatta to get the minor premiership. The Sharks were basically all but locked in the top four on four and against. That remained the same. Probably the biggest change is Brisbane got themselves a home final and the Dragons did enough. Oh, sorry, Penrith did enough to hold on to get a home final. They did, yeah. The Dragons are probably the unlucky ones because they uh, beat Newcastle and still got pipped, but their poor forms really cost them because they're now um, they're not going to get a, a double bite in the finals, which is critical, I think, um, particularly with how close the uh, the competition is. But, yeah, it's been a topsy-turvy season. But I'm glad the finals are here. Uh, we've known the top eight, really. Mm. The top eight hasn't changed since something like round 12. So it's still... since Origin, it's, it hasn't been a boring competition. When the top eight teams have played, it's been good. But there have been some real stinker games. And, um, you know, I, I am looking forward to this um, final series, that's for sure. Still insane to think that how it finished up with all the top four on 16 wins, yeah, all but the teams it, behind okay, them. Okay, so at the lot. top end, you look at it and you go, that's great. But at the bottom end, you look at it and you go, well, there was eight teams realistically whose seasons were over or they had minimal chance from 12 rounds on, which my team was a part of that. So yeah, for fans like uh, fans like myself, it was pretty boring season. I get that. Be, but when you look at it from a perspective of usually we have two or three that are just absolutely streaks ahead of the rest and now we've seen all these teams sort of beat each other in a logjam to think that they could all be this close heading into the finals. There's still probably two or three you'd look at in favour to win the competition, but we've never had a top eight be this close. That's for sure. Hmm. Uh, and I think... Well, on points. Crit- no. Critically, a lot of teams, as we say, you need to do that work early to get yourself there. For the Dragons, those early wins paid off, and for the Warriors, another team where the early wins paid hmm. off. Whereas you've got teams like Brisbane and the Sharks who got better as the year went on and found those sort of wins. Melbourne started poorly, went on a massive winning streak. Souths had a big winning streak. And the Roosters never really got on a winning streak. They were kind of on, off, on, off the whole year. They had a couple of little two or three game winning streaks near the back end. Um, But in particular, looking at the Warriors and the Dragons, the way they started the year undefeated after four or five rounds, like banking some early wins just really ended up paying off. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So we'll see what happens now. It's different competition. I know that's a cliche, but it is true. It's... Uh, you know, who can put the best four weeks together will we'll win this competition. Certainly is. Power, oh, sorry, not power rankings. Kicking things off, we will do our set of six and realistically just running through 
some of uh, the finals teams and obviously a few things that happened off the field. But the first point I have here, Dragons and the Panthers, both two teams that most people would have thought last week uh, were in big trouble heading into the final series. Both got some confidence in the last round of the competition with wins. The Panthers did play an understrength Melbourne side, but nevertheless, uh, lopsided penalty count, a couple of questionable decisions found a way to win in the Dragons. Old boys day, went up there, got the job done. Are uh, either of these two a hope, though, realistically, week one? Like, I, I, the Warriors, you don't know what you're going to get. So I can see some hope there for Penrith, even though I'm still not convinced from that win on the weekend. But for the Dragons, like the way Brisbane are playing right now, the fact that DeBellin turned up yesterday on crutches, Vaughn out for the season, and Widop's coming back, and I don't think his shoulder still is 100%. I, I'm, I don't think the Dragons have much of a chance, to be honest. No, I don't think either of them have a chance. So there you go. That answers your, uh, your question. I, but Both of them could win this weekend, but there's absolutely zero hope either of those teams wins four games and wins a grand final. So Penrith's, Penrith's win was fool's gold. Um, Melbourne had so much shit go wrong last week, it's um, it's not funny. And they only, well, not that they scraped in, but you know Melbourne were within striking distance, six points. Um, I thought there was a clear um, fuck-up on the, the no-try to drink water. I, I didn't think that was an obstruction at all. They score there, it's even game. Uh, I think that changed the flow of that second half. And, I, you know, I tend to think Penrith did get dudded a little bit in the first half with the refereeing decisions, et cetera. But uh, it was a game, I I said it last week, it's almost their season, Penrith, for their confidence. You can't go into the finals, um, you know, having only won one game, which was a fluke against the Titans, um, on the back of the, the form that they were in. So, you know, it may give them some confidence, but... For me, the one team in the bottom four you don't want to run into at the moment. Well, there's two. It's Brisbane and the Warriors. And I, I tend to think Brisbane wouldn't have wanted to see the Warriors either. So, no. Nah. Um, I thought they like would have said, pulled up that on the weekend. And, uh, oh, I think they knew. They, they knew. Well, they, they pushed it. And no offence to Jermaine Azarco, but when he ran off with that ball and kicked the goal, I thought Wayne Bennett would have been sending down a walkie-talkie to forget about the point-scoring award because you're borderline pushing us up against the Warriors where the better matchup would be the Dragons with the issues mm. they've had with confidence and Injuries, uh, they they almost blew it. It literally came down to that rule of less put better defensive record for Penrith that stopped it. Mm. I thought they would have pulled up stumps well before that. Josh McGuire's not. Yeah, but on. I don't think you can play like that. You, oh. you can't you can't play like that. We tend to go, yeah, you can play a little bit like that, but for the first seventy, you oh no, you not after. the first seventy they were after it, but they'd done enough to put themselves up against the Dragons. I, I don't they think had... they care. I don't think the Broncos care. Well, to be honest, I don't, I don't think they were really looking at it, going, we don't want to play the Warriors. Um, I think they. They would have been just happy to get a home final and play whoever they come up against. So Yeah, well, fair enough. Well, point two we have here. Uh, we'll get the negative stuff out of the way quickly. The Dogs' Mad Monday scenario, differing opinions from a lot of people out there. What are your thoughts on the whole situation? It was dumb. Straight away, it was dumb. Like, people want to come out and say, you know, the photographers are grubs. They, that's It's grubby. Like, no doubt. It's, it's bullshit that people chase photographs and they chase stories. But in that's the end, the that's their job. Though. That's what they get paid for. So... Um, where the, where you sit in terms of the moral spectrum on the behaviour, they get paid for it. They make a lot of money out of it. So I understand why they do it. Do I agree with it? No. But my whole argument to this, and I'll leave it at this, is that if the behaviour isn't there, there's no photo to take. It's as simple as that for me. You know, it's a shit. It's a shit look. Well, the one I still can't get over, and it's been brought up multiple times. What's the deal with having to get your kid off? Like it's. If you're going to do, like, you do your nudie run, we've both played in football teams. Nudie runs usually later on, 
closed field behind closed doors or whatever. But blokes literally getting naked in a public pub and people are going, oh, that a private function. They left their own private function room, the idiots. That's the problem. If it was done in a private like, function room, there would have been no yeah, photo. But they went to a balcony. They left their That's own area. That's what I'm area. saying. Like, there wouldn't have been a photo. Like, I, I, That's the whole point. There's been a lot of like, people defending them. Um, and look, I don't care. Like For me, no, I don't care. I I've, I've been either. in rooms that have done 10 times yeah, worse than that. Same deal. However, I, I think for the majority of teams I was involved with, both as a player and, and as a coach, we did it within an environment where it didn't offend someone else no. and it didn't affect someone else. And they like, went out into the public part of that function. And again, when you go on the balcony and go, a oh, bloke was down there. It's, trying, the to draw, it's trying to draw attention to yourself. That's exactly what it is. It's a cry for attention. And they got the attention. What's, and in particular, not not attention that, that, that they wanted or the game would have liked. What's sillier though is Dean Pay and other staff members and club members were there and a couple of blokes that are potentially going to be playing New South Wales Cup this weekend were there on the drink as well. So... I, I don't think, have a problem with them drinking. No, I, but I don't give a all shit. All around, like their season's not done. There's four or five guys going back down. So if they turn up for a beer and left, that's fine. But have it getting on the mad Monday session when you're heading into a finals game still and have responsibility this weekend. But no, your head I still coach, think they're entitled to do that. Club members, like people being there while that's all going on and not stopping it or not telling them to get back in the function room, it needs to be controlled. And mm. well, like, we remember I had blues with our the club that we, I was coaching with here as, as a junior coach because they would they wanted me to bring our under-19s with the A-graders and with club officials to um, Mad Monday, and I was totally against it. We did our own Mad Monday. We did our and own we a good in time. a controlled environment mm. um, at, you know, one of the coaching staff's houses, um, you know, and I certainly didn't get loaded with the players, and it, you know, I, yeah, I'm not going to bring up, you know, my time, my time with the 20s, there was... Yeah, you know, it's just different coaches have different views on how it's done. You well, know, I, I could put it plain and simple this way, right? And we're going back a while now, but I know they still do it a similar way. And drama did happen the the last kind of big man Monday I was involved with at Canberra, but it was outside of what the club organised. The club had organised multiple functions for us behind closed doors. Why did the club? Why does the club organise it? Because they wanted to do exactly what you said, control it. So we had the Brad and Bowling Club. But no doesn't was, that tell you enough to, that you shouldn't have to do yeah, but there's it? Some like, people for that, me, I would just say players, man, footballers aren't if you smart want to enough, do it, footballers go aren't for smart it. enough. There's too many blokes well, they need that to, are too You know dumb. what? That, they're not smart enough because we keep saying and telling them they're not smart enough. Well, They need to be smart enough. The they're on the big matter, money. Yeah, well, the fact of the matter is some people just aren't. They're from a low socioeconomic background. That's horseshit. And, and That's horseshit. Well, they know what's right and wrong. I know they know what's right and wrong, but some people They choose to behave like that. They do. And... The reason why they do is because the dickheads on social media get out and defend them. I'm not going to defend them at all. He took his gear off. He had a photo taken. Apparently, the Daily Telegraph are saying that they've got worse photos that they're not allowed to publish. Mm. So the people coming out going, it's a, it's a beat up, yada, yada, yada. Like, well, I shudder to think of what was kept in-house and what they can't publish. Police do I think they should publish it? Probably not. Like, But in the end, the Daily Telegraph's in the business of selling papers. So look, I think there's a lot of evils at play here. A mm. lot of evils. But... Peel it all back, you know, the, the telly the telly are, are doing it to sell papers, the photographers are doing it to make money. Rightly or wrongly, agree or disagree with that, doesn't matter. The cold hard facts of it are, if the, if the behaviour's not there, or if the behaviour is indoors, or the behaviour's away from public and photos and whatever, we're not hearing about it. Yeah, but plain and simple, you get naked at a pub, you get thrown out of they call the cops. It's just... And then the other thing, defending them, oh, they got to, of course they've got a right to drink. Do whatever you want, boys. Don't get naked Do in a public, want. public place. It's pretty simple. You're not allowed to get nude in public. And is it the world's worst offence? No, no, it's, it's not. not. I don't care. It's, for me, I don't care. But, but other if punters, I was at a pub with my daughter, I wouldn't be impressed with it. Yeah, but other punters, plain and simple, can't get naked at the pub. So footballers can't either. And if they wanted to but get, this is the thing. It's like people are saying, well, you know, how is it any different to anyone else 
in the general public doing it. You know why? Because people in the general public aren't role models and aren't paid multi-million dollar deals. You know, whatever you say about their level of intelligence, as a game, we need to get smarter. I, well, that's yeah, the, I, could, yeah. I could make an argument. I could go through the way the game's played, the way the game's officiated, the way the game's administered, and the way that players behave off the field, social media. It's all unintelligent when I look at it. I just go, this is fucking dumb. And this is, at the purest um, form, just fucking stupidity. And I, for me, if I'm a club, I don't want anything to do with Mad Monday. It's not their responsibility to organise Mad Monday. No, but they had this problem. They were involved, and the coaches and everyone. But other now people they were look there. fucking twice as stupid. Exactly, because it's, they're involved. That's what I'm getting at. I don't get it. It's just fucking stupid. They should just stay away from it. Stay if you know, away from it. If you know you can't you, control it, which is just the half my thing I'm trying to say, they can't control someone because someone just aren't So why are they getting involved? They, they shouldn't. Were, they were dumb enough to get involved. This is a completely different set of circumstances. What I'm saying is Canberra, when we're down there, obviously smart enough to that young, dumb blokes with lots of money and drinking doesn't mix. So they had two functions over two days in completely blocked off venues from the public. So any stupidity that happened was contained. Yeah, the issue is as soon as you leave in your preseason, that's, that's when the, mon- the Monaghan thing happened when he went out on his own. So that's what yeah. I mean. It doesn't matter what club it is. I don't think it matters what club it is. I don't give a shit. Like, because there are people saying, "Oh, this is the the media targeting the Bulldogs." They're like, not targeting the Bulldogs. They're not. Like the behaviors are there. The behaviors are there. Like, it's just I don't know. It's six for me, other clubs. I go, well, boys, organize your own. Because then they can't say they could say Bulldogs players. I forget the Bulldogs. It's a it's a privately. Um, no, what I'm saying is, if if it wasn't sanctioned and organized by the club, they could at least say. Look, Bulldogs players did this. The club had nothing to do with it. The NRL theoretically aren't then attached to it. They're only attached to it in terms of player behaviour. And we've just got to get tougher on player behaviour. Look, do I think anyone should be sacked? No. No, They should They should get a fine. It should be a good lesson for... um, for everyone else, do I think the telly were looking for a story? They probably were. Yeah, but the whole thing is the players but it's asked Monday. to like, be they know part. They knew that eight eight teams were out there on the drink. But and the other thing is, like people saying, "Well, you know, they're, they're following them around," and it's like, "Well, don't tell them where you're going." Well, they take photos and put it on social media as well. Put put them they are. Like if you want to keep it private, keep it private. That's right. Stay in your private function area. Keep your fucking clothes on. It's not hard. And the other thing about it as well on well, Luke Lewis and Josh Reynolds and that are going over. To America for their like end of season trip. There's there's ten or twelve of them going over there from different clubs, and they're smart enough to organise their own holiday Ooh. and their own. And I'm sure they'll be going to Las Vegas and getting on the drink. And the and- other issue again, to all the dopes and again, just stupid. They asked last year, and this is no different. What we said last week at the Dugan thing and for Feeder couldn't yeah. care about partners in the game. What they said about Buzz Rothfield, but we want to be advocates and partners for the game. So Peter Beattie, as much of you know a clue, I don't think he has doing his job. Went to WA to ask for money and try and get them to buy in and have more games over there, and we're trying to spread the game. And then you got people like that in the paper get naked. And again, like I said last week for the Dugan and Fafita swearing, it looks bad on everybody else. It reflects on all rugby league players. It doesn't just reflect on one club. And forget the Bulldogs thing. That's bullshit. There's eight other clubs on Mad Monday. We didn't hear about anyone else, did we? So it's just the simple part of it is just self-awareness is the best awareness. And it wasn't very smart. And it's just another... I don't don't, like... For me, it's been beaten up. No, but it's, it's not a big issue up, to the extent they've put it, but it's more from looking outside in. Like, you can't complain when photos are taken when you got naked on a public balcony. No. You weren't no. in your private function room. Don't. You're going to get naked, wait until you get back and to the And also, if you're a coach, don't drink with your players. 
Yeah, well, there was more than just them. There was apparently Should, other shouldn't staff. Shouldn't Jason other Taylor, the so. Jason Taylor incident where he got fucked up? Far logo. Far logo should have been a message enough to every coach. Yeah. You don't drink with your players. Advocates for the game, and then they cry poor. But two weeks in a row, the swearing and C bombs, everything else on a public podcast, which goes out to the internet. Forget what they said about Rothfield. That's he last couldn't care. But no, I'm just saying, it's two examples of you want to be an advocate for the game, it's done. or you want to be a share of the game, promote the game in a positive way. Don't look like fucking meatheads, which is unfortunately what's happened. So. Uh, yeah, Mad Monday, go out and have some fun. But, like, you don't have to get naked in a pub out in the public area when you've got your own private function. It's pretty straightforward. Yeah, we've said it 15 yeah. times. All right, move on. Like, yeah, I'm sure, hopefully, it's the last off field sort of. And I don't think it's an off field incident. No. It's not a scandal. It's not anything like that. It's just dumb. It's just dumb. All right, tackle smarter. Tackle three, the Broncos. Good run in uh, the finals after looking like the Tigers had a chance of catching up with them. They knock off the Roosters, they knock off South, and then they tune up with a big win over Manly. I had them in my eight, but I basically said all year that I didn't think they had much chance of winning the competition. So I'm willing to eat humble pie with the form that they've shown now. Are they set for a title tilt from the bottom half of the eight? Do they have a legitimate chance, do you think, to push on with the way they've played? Oh, I think they do. It's just going to be very difficult from the bottom half of the eight. Yeah. That's that. The cold, hard facts are that mm. teams teams don't win competition well, generally like you in said, the bottom half four in a row eight. four weeks in a row you've um, got to step up do they have good momentum absolutely do they no oh, they've got to win away from home you know their home record I think is okay uh, sorry their away record I think is okay I, I think more often than not it's this game that's the hardest it's just it getting is. that first one away like I, I like Brisbane next week on the back I think they'll have to play is it Melbourne if Melbourne lose Melbourne yeah. Rabbitohs I like them against Melbourne if Melbourne get beat just in the fact that I think Melbourne aren't as healthy as what they have been uh, for many seasons in terms of their roster, and Brisbane have got a little bit of um, a little bit of momentum. So I just think they're going to get the job done this weekend and just take every week as it comes. I know that sounds a little bit cliche, but can they win the competition? I would say no, just based on what history tells us. But are they in cracking form? Yes, they are. Are their halves playing a lot better than what yeah. they are? Yes. They're going to get McCulloch back? Yes. Uh, I heard a lot of people saying that Darius Boyd's playing a lot better. I don't know whether he's playing a lot better. I don't know whether he's back into that, you know, tier of elite fullbacks. He's certainly playing better than he was at the start of the year. But, you know, a Brisbane a chance, yes, but history tells you that teams outside the top eight, uh, sorry, outside the top four struggle. So I'd, I'd love to see him go on a run. I think the other thing I'm going to bring up is Lionel said at the start of the year, which is why I had him at the bottom eight. I thought they'd find a way in regardless. And full credit to Wayne Bennett, given all the off-field drama and all the bullshit that's been happening to get this group together and for them to accept this challenge and play really good football with the young forward pack. But with all those young guys, comes most of them haven't played a final series. So Tavita Pangai Jr., Matt Lodge first year back in, David Fafita, all these blokes, there's a lot more expectation and pressure the next four weeks. Yeah. And to string those four weeks together, again on Nick Arima, Jermaine Azarco, like there's a lot of guys that have been outstanding during the season, but like you said, it is a new season right now. So the pressure ramps up. Can they yeah. hold it for four weeks? I don't know. But the big thing they've got, and I say it all the time, bench is very important. Their bench now and the way they've slowly shaped this side, even after a couple of injuries, they have one of the better benches in the competition. Melbourne's sort of their bogey team. They've beaten the Roosters. They beat the Roosters quite convincingly, and they lost their hooker in that game. It was only two weeks ago. Um well, they did. You know, well, they, they they've got flogged by the Warriors. They they got pumped by the Warriors. Mm. Uh, Dogs gave it to them. Yeah, they flogged Penrith. They've, they've well, they've got the best record against top eight teams, don't they, Brisbane? So yeah. they oh, based on that. Yeah, they're a chance. I just for me, it's they haven't played top eight teams four weeks in a row, uh, and they 
the thing is, they don't have another chance. If they finish top four, I would really like them to make the grand final. Well, it'd be ma- based on momentum. Huge story if Wayne Bennett won the competition or made the grand final in the year they're basically trying to push him out the door yeah. and tried to replace him with two or three other coaches. I, I don't think that decision's based around the fact no. that, that, that they think that Bennett's lost it. I think it's just the fact that they're trying the future to plan. find someone yeah, to be the future of the club. That's yeah. all. I don't think it's personal attack on oh, but I mean, Wayne Bennett from, from as his a own coach perspective, currently, he, he obviously previously, feels that he has in the time. Future. He does, yeah. yeah. So that, that's where the disagreement lies. Yeah. He's He isn't ready to move on and they are. And, you know, and, think, and that's... that's I get I get why Wayne's offended and I get why Brisbane are thinking the way they are as well. Yeah. Tackle four. The Roosters minor premiership and I think it's Cronks in particular going there this season six or seventh in the last nine seasons. I'm not putting it all on him, obviously. I thought the first half of the year he was quite poor. I think the back end of the year he's slowly built into things nicely and in particular the last month has played pretty good football, kicked and got him around the field and did all those small I think things. He's, I think his kicking game has been the best in the competition all season. I, his kicking game has been fantastic. All right, well, I, 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 thought, I disagree there, with but, you early, but yeah. I, I think the Roosters in general, uh, the minor premiership is a big effort considering, like I said, I don't think they really still have it together 100%. I don't, and they've had Kiri go out. They've had an origin effect. They started the year a bit slow with a couple of guys that didn't really do a preseason. You've had Jared out. You've had Napa and a few of these guys, like I said, for origin. Um, I just still look at them right now. I think that's a massive effort though to steal the minor premiership when I don't think they ever really sat in first or maybe if they did it was on for and against or for a week or two but to steal it at the last hurdle in the fashion that they did I'm I'm not getting overly excited in the result like a lot of people did on the weekend because Parramatta basically turned up um, you know that they quit and then they had two blokes get put in the bin and the Roosters did what you should do when two blokes are in the bin they put them to the sword but, yeah. but um, even that it's, like it's Cron- a good effort Cronk's um, adapt you know he, the way he adapted They've mixed to attack the to other side up. and yeah no I just mean when he's, he's just the best at adjusting on the run because of his intelligence. You, know, you speak about the dumb behaviour. There's not a smarter bloke in rugby league, I would think, than think Smith Cronk. and Cronk. Like just the way that they can sum up a game and adjust without a coach having to tell them to adjust. It's like having a coach on the field. So, mm. you know, we know all the toys that the Roosters have got. They've got talent. They just needed someone for my mind to be able to direct that talent in the right direction. I think they're going to... I think you'll see the the effect and the benefit of having Cooper Cronk in a final series because that's when you need someone there to adjust. That's when tactics, I think, come into play. Uh, and I think he's going to be of a huge benefit to the Roosters in this final series. Well, they've also slowly adapted to one another over the year. They started too structured, then they got a little bit too ad-lib. They still have their moments where they give away too many penalties and errors, but their defence is outstanding. And like I said, I know Melbourne's got the best defensive record, but to me, the best defensive team in particular inside 20 is still the Roosters. They've got strike on both edges. Friends improved as the year's gone on. Cronk and Kiri have formed up a partnership and they've adjusted also to James Tedesco. They were using him wrong at the start of the year. He went into origin. They made some changes to the way he's played and he's been on fire the last six to eight weeks as well. So you're starting to tick off all those boxes and those changes that we wanted to see. And Trent Robertson, uh, to his credit, said it was going to take time and it's looking like it's it coming together. Take, of course so. it was going to take time. Tackle five, uh, the salary cap for the Sharks. We didn't obviously get to talk about this last week. It broke just after we got off the air. But uh, I think the drama there for them suits. I think it fuels the fire for that team uh, with all the Fafita stuff. This Anything that happens at Cronulla seems to just fuel the fire. They're old veterans. They're not really worried about that sort of thing. But the cap drama in general and that news, what did you make of it all? Interesting. I, I find it interesting that we're not going to have a resolution prior to the start of the final series. 
Todd Greenberg came out and said that they were cap compliant, but then in the next breath said that they hadn't concluded their investigation mm. into the the cap. Um, it was self-reported. Mm. But then again, you know, a lot of clubs self-report uh, and are then exposed to, to greater systematic cheating. Um, I I just don't like it. I My worry is that they win it and then later on we find out that the, the cap rorting was a little bit more than what, they have self-reported because it's it's only that he's forensically wanted to audit um, their finances and he's come across this. So, what else are they going to find? For me, you know, I had I had a conversation with Paul Kent last week. We we exchanged some texts when this came out. For me, I, d- I didn't understand why the NRL didn't have someone external come in to expedite the process. A legal team come in. You hire twenty lawyers or financial auditors or whoever you need to get in and have this process expedited to have a conclusion by the start of the final series to make sure that we know that every team that's in there is legitimate, legitimately, um, I guess, cap compliant. Uh, his his um, sort of comeback to that was that apparently you need to be... And this, this was what uh, Paul Kent said, was that you know, apparently you, you need to know what you're looking for. It's not like a normal financial... No, um, it's not. ...order to wouldn't really look at it and know that there was an issue. So for that, I guess we can cut the NRL some slack. But the other side of that is, is for me, looking at it, they, they've completed their investigation into the 2016 aspect of it. They've been able to say that they're not, they're yeah. cap compliant for that when year. For me, why wouldn't you have worked backwards? Why wouldn't you have just done this season first? You because that's the season. most immediate and then worked your way back. I, I, I don't understand the logic behind that. The only thing I will say here, and again, people brought up the amount of the cheating. A lot of people don't realise that just about every club gets fined every year for some form of salary cap breach, and it's not necessarily a huge amount. But clubs breach their twenties caps for education or rent or you know second tier well, payments could, and could, other bits. Yeah, of places. just because so you've got injuries. This one's a third party that a new CEO who is only been in the club for twelve months or whatever has picked up going back through the books from twenty fifteen. So first and foremost, fifty thousand dollars. I'm not trying to defend it or say it's not significant, but systematic cheating and smaller amounts are a completely Well, the reason why it's raised eyebrows is because it was a payment to uh, a player... Who played in the grand final side. Played in the grand final side, but... But that's a question. Apparently it was... Apparently, Well, I've heard rumours that there there is a worry that it is systematic because of how it was hidden. Like, why would you only do it once if you were doing it that way, if that makes sense? So... I don't know. It's sort of. It's also added fuel to the fire on Lyle Gorman as well. Like they've had all that drama yeah, on Manly. He was the CEO um, and who was a party to managing the cap for the the Sharks during this time. And he obviously did a great job assisting that club in getting through the you know the couple of scandals that they've been through, and also um, into a team that was able to win the premiership. So he's got to take some credit, but also needs to take some responsibility here for the fact that the the Sharks, a club that he's left, have been financially ordered and they've been found to have some discrepancies in there, I guess, in the way that they've managed their finances. So my only fear in all of this is, as I said to start with, that you know we, we, we get to the end of the season or we get to you know December and they win the competition and they're found to have been over the cap and systematically cheating. That would be of, of a concern to me. Yeah. Not complaining there, but yeah, I think it's more the amount. I know people. Are, I think the biggest thing for the sharks as well is that an automatic jump with previous indiscretions. People remember this side of thing. Now you've got this kind of popping up. People don't think immediately just jump to you know big conclusions, but yeah, 
there's been breaches in the past, if you go back and Google, where the NRL announced fines and you barely hear yeah, it, like under the rug. And some teams breach it up to almost $200,000, but it's in different levels or different sections of the cap. But sometimes you can, sometimes you can um, know you're about to cheat the cap because mm. you've got players out and you've got a guy in your second tier who's on match payments mm. that's getting three grand a game or and a he bonus. has to play. Five or ten, yeah, exactly. Mm, That's the other one, it. and it gets triggered, and then you go over the cap. You know that that comes into uh, financial planning. I get mm. it, and but they, you know they've got to take into account teams. You know, probably like your Panthers in Ivan Cleary's last year, where they just had a shitload of injuries. You know, have to use almost forty players, and you know they're not the Panthers aren't the only team that have had you know sort of an injury crisis. But whenever you've got to go and you've got to pay more players. It's just natural attrition that you're going to have to pay more money. So, yep. Mm. Tackle six and the final one. Uh, JT's farewell. Fitting, if anything. And I'll put a post up on the page. I'm sure plenty of people saw it. But uh, kind of thought, and it panned out that way, they might be a little bit flat because the week before at home was the real farewell game up in North Queensland. Not saying it wasn't on the Gold Coast, and a lot of fans showed up. They sold the joint out. But the real emotional farewell for him would have been at home the week before. All the players dug in, they absolutely smoked the Eels. But to be down 18-zip in that game and find a way back into it, and as we've seen throughout his whole career, just that competitive edge, that ruthlessness, he never goes away. He was involved in everything. He was involved in the last tackle. That shot he put on Ryan James, like he's just he's relentless. And he has been his whole career, and the effort's just there. And uh, I guess it was just a very nice moment and fitting that the win came the way it did. The week before was a bloodbath, but I think it was more fitting for that to be his last game in a come-from-behind 80-minute drag-em-out performance that it took to get the job done, yep. even though... I didn't think it was the prettiest game. I think that sums up him and the, just the way he's played and the way he carries himself on the field. He covers every blade of grass, every cover tackle, chases all the kicks. He may miss some tackles, but he's always willing to put his body in front like he's just a wholehearted, full-blown effort player. And again, he was involved in the last tackle in the game and he was involved from, you know, 0 to 80. So, Just, I think the... the greatest impact Jonathan Thurston's had has been off the field. Mm. He's, he's been... I think could be in the top five all the time. Um, I think Smith, Johns and Thurston, for me at the moment, would be the top three all time. Smith obviously hasn't retired. I'd still rank Andrew Johns ahead of him uh, based on what I saw on the field. But for anyone trying to compare them, I don't think you can you compare, them compare them. because they're they're, the game, Well, they're different players, but the game was also different. So, yeah. you know, it's a nice debate, I guess, and people are going to have it at pubs and clubs and whatever on TV shows to fill in time, but... Um, I think they are clearly the best two halfbacks we've ever seen in rugby league. Yeah, uh, I think with the ball, Jonathan Thurston's probably better than Andrew Johns, but I think as a defender, Andrew Johns was streaks ahead of but Jonathan I, I also bring, when I've had a Both few fantastic people had this kickers, argument before, goal kickers. John, uh, Andrew Johns invented some kicks, was as classy with the ball, was a good ball runner. I think he's a more natural player than Jonathan Thurston. I think Jonathan Thurston added to his game, but I think on the flip side, if you want to talk about consistency in the week week to week and the competitive nature. Like, Jonathan Thurston was just ruthless. He came back from horrendous injuries. They both did. Mm. Um, and that's the other one, thing. One, two premierships. Yeah, it, it's almost incomparable. No. But yeah. I think the effect that Jonathan Thurston's had on Off his community oh. um, with young kids, uh, Andrew Johns, you know, his background's a little bit questionable. His but, behavior wasn't great and he suffered from mental illness yeah. and et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, Andrew Johns is doing fantastic things now. He's coaching. He's yeah. he's doing a great job on Channel 9. But, you know, he had his he had his off-field and his demons. And as did Thurston early in his career. Yeah. He was, no, he was no saint. But I think, you know, his progression and growth as a man 
Um, he's owned he's, everything. He's just been unbelievable. You know, like what he's done with the tees and um, the headgears and. Well, you want to talk? Yeah, it was, it was great. For anyone that didn't see, there was a story on the Sunday Footy Show where Aaron Mullen interviewed him, and he had that you were just talking about, you know, the different kids that he's come across and uh, what he's done for his community. I, he'd be a great loss to the game. So, you know, I'm not I'm I'm not a fan of just giving players jobs once they retire because I think players should earn jobs in the game. But he's a different Jonathan story. Thurston is someone who should never not be have a significant role in the off field decisions and relationships with the community that the NRL has and until the day he passes from this earth. He's such an asset to our game. We want to talk about what we spoke about before and being partners in the game or buying in the game or being advocate for the game or promoting the game. No mm. one's done a better job than Jonathan Thurston with the kicking tees, with the headgears, with the young kids, with all that kind of stuff. And like, for the people defending the Bulldogs players, and you know, that's not the world's worst crime, no. but it takes away from things like this. You that's know, what the positive mean. things that more players are doing, yeah. it does. It takes away from that. And, uh, you know, there's plenty of people out there just looking to shit kick the game. You know, unfortunately, we love the game. We don't want to get around and shit kick the game. Um, he's, uh, yeah, it's sad to see him go. Uh, and, you know, he, he I think he finished the season with the most try assists in the competition. Most so, line breaks, most line engagements. Uh, I, I, I tend to think he started really slow. Like, I think his first sort of six weeks of footy was really poor. But you need to understand that he's, that, firstly, he's old. And secondly, he's coming coming off a pretty horrendous injury last year. He hadn't played for nearly 12 months. Well, just Just what he did in Origin 2 last year. He won Queensland the series basically on a bung shoulder, kicked a very, very important goal. And he stayed out there for the rest of the stayed game, out defended there his edge even with a busted shoulder. Exactly. Like, so, wasn't a ten out of ten performance, but the fact he didn't leave them a man short, plugged his hole, and kicked the goal. Mm. Yeah, outstanding. And look, I, I was cheering against my team on the weekend. I was cheering for Jonathan Thurston to too. get the right. Yeah, but I go for the Titans. So yeah, but I, was, I had money on it too. I was. Um, yeah, I don't give a shit about it. Now. I was just cheering for him to get the right send off. I, I think you don't always get fairy tales in sport. The fact that they're not going to play finals footy probably is enough of a disappointment for all of us. And we all tipped them to finish in the grand final and hopefully win the comp for him. But, you know, they've, they've just aged and not played great footy. But for him to win in front of that huge crowd in North Queensland and then to win on the Gold Coast in front of two sellouts, I think is a fitting way for him to, to go. Yeah. And that wraps up the set of six. We move on now to the power rankings brought to you by Penrith Solar Centre. Do you know what hurts more than your team going down in a nail biter? It's getting slapped with a huge bill and then biting your nails trying to pay it. Take back the power from the electricity companies and generate it yourself. The team at Penrith Solar Centre are dedicated to providing you with the highest quality solar energy experience to make you and your family the big winners. Contact them today on 1800-2029-30 to discuss how they can make you the real winners this season or their website, www.penrithsolar.com.au. Jake and the boys there. Uh, I think they've had a couple of inquiries and even a couple of purchases on systems. So Yeah, which is great. So well done to everyone that's purchased one. If you're in the market or even thinking about it, give Jack a call. Probably not a good time to call him at the moment. He's in Las Vegas. Well, he'll be back so he's this back weekend. For, yeah, back Saturday. and but Summer boom coming up. That's usually when people get the systems put in. That's yeah. when you get the most out of a system. But power rankings, number one uh, for me. And this is basically heading into the finals. Probability of winning the competition. Or Was what this I the think. last time we're doing power rankings this year? Well, basically heading into the finals, this is one to eight, your probability of who you think is the most He's going to win it. Yeah, look, I've got the Roosters at one. So I've got the Roosters at one as well. They won the minor premiership, and I still don't think they've quite figured it out. But on their day, um, they're an outstanding football side. Number two. Uh, I have the Rabbitohs. Also got the Rabbitohs. I was a bit worried about when Sam Burgess went down on the weekend, but as we've seen, that back five come back together. And after a couple of flat weeks there, GI 
Uh, their set starts were back. Their middle one cook got out the back at the halves flourish. So. Correct me if I'm wrong. They've got the longest turnaround into um, this weekend's game. They're going to go travel to Melbourne, but they've got an eight day yeah, turnaround. Thursday the Warriors, night the Warriors had a Friday, um, a Friday to Saturday, but they've obviously got travel. Yeah, so that changes things for them. Mm. So um, that's a, a huge advantage. We said it last week that they're going to have a massive advantage. Yeah, number three, I have the Sharks. I yeah, know the Sharks as well. Defensively, I still think they've got to bring a bit more back, and I know people say that's their bread and butter. I think they've gotten away from it a bit, but their attacks improved significantly, and I think the attitude. Uh, and those old heads will come around finals time and they'll get a much more gritty. So the fact that they've unlocked their attack with Wade Graham, Moylan, Holmes, Seguiara off the bench, um, mm. if they get their defense right, they're going to be a genuine threat. Yeah, look, I'll say this about Cronulla. I think that they are the best team in the competition when they are playing their best football. Mm. And this that may sound stupid, but for me, the difference between their best and their worst football is uh, they have the biggest discrepancy in teams in the top eight. Mm. Uh, sorry, in the top four. I look at the Roosters, Rabbitohs and Melbourne and I, I tend to think that they're pretty close to their best and worst football at most points of this season. The Sharks, they look like premiers one minute and they can really fall yeah, off a we'll cliff the next. Lose so to Manly. For mm, me, you know, teams like you that. Know, we said it last year, they won the competition. Last year they were defending premiers. We were waiting for them to kick the whole year. Mm. Uh, this year they've, they've shown signs of both their good, uh, well, sorry, their best football and their worst football. To me, they look ominous. I think Valentine Holmes is playing... As good as any player in the competition at the moment. Um, I think their halves are going well. I think Matt Moylan's improved this year. Mm. They've obviously got a dominating forward pack. They've got a couple of good stories as well. They've got Luke Lewis, who's in his last season. Paul Gallen, who's obviously in his twilight. Woods making that move, coming Woods. off the bench. He's doing his job, doing exactly what he should have and been And we doing. spoke last week about the uh, the impact of a bench, and they've got, certainly got a very, very strong bench. So we- for me, they're well positioned to win the comp. They've just got a very, very tough start. This- like playing the Roosters this weekend... Um, is going to make things difficult. They're their own worst enemy. That's literally the Sharks, though. It's not other teams. And that's like what the I'm saying. The difference their between their best and worst is them. That's Correct. it. Correct. Number four, I have the Storm uh, at this point in time, depending on what players they get back. But I stick by what I said before. If they lose week one, and I'm more, I'm pretty confident that Souths are going to win week one down in, at Melbourne, even though they've never won at Amy Park. Uh, if they lose week one, they're, they're done. To me, they're in big trouble. I think any, I think either of the top four sides who lose week one are in huge trouble. It's a massive advantage having that week off, particularly with how close this competition is and the fact that you're going to play, uh, you get home, well, not home field advantage. I guess Melbourne will if they win, but Rabbitohs will as well. Uh, Cronulla will have to go at Allianz. Roosters will get a home field advantage. So the fact that you get a home field advantage and the, and the week's rest is of a massive uh, benefit. The uh, Sorry, the Melbourne Storm, they look to me to be playing their worst football at the wrong time of the year. They look injured. Uh, I thought they looked flat all year. I've got concerns over their attack, but their defense is going to keep them in a lot of games. Uh, they, they leaked some points last weekend, but if you look at the tries, there was a couple of tries off kicks and intercepts. So I'm not overly concerned about Melbourne's defense. And um, I to be done, uh, I don't know whether they'd be done. I if they lost this weekend, and I've, I'm with you, I think the Rabbitohs I just don't. They can't win the comp if they lose week one. They're not going the long way around. Yeah, I it'll, be, it'll be difficult. It'll I can't be say difficult. Uh, number five, I've got the Broncos. Out of all the teams out of the bottom four, the season they've had, the ups and downs, a couple of the injuries, some of the kids getting blooded in. The only question I have is what I said before. Can the halves string it together for four weeks under pressure? And all these young forwards, they're heading into a completely different environment right now. So it's all good to step up during the back end of the season. They've reeled off some big wins, but can they do it four weeks in a row in front of bigger crowds and bigger moments? I don't know, but if anyone from the bottom four 
has a chance to do it right now and the form they've shown is the Broncos. I agree. Uh, I've got the Roosters, Rabbitohs and Sharks for me are in one tier. Like I think they're, they're those three. I'd be very surprised if the winner of the comp came outside of those three. But in that next tier, I've got Melbourne, um, the Broncos and the Warriors. So I've got the same as you. I've got the Broncos ranked at five. But um, I agree with you. I think they're as good a chance as the Warriors. The only... Sorry, at a disadvantage I think the Warriors have got is the fact that they weren't able to secure a home semi-final because Penrith won. So that's a concern. But in saying that, they've got the best away record in the competition. So Eight and four. The, um, the road hasn't bothered them. I've got them at six. I agree with what you said about the Broncos. And I've got the Warriors at six. And I'd have them in that second second tier. So I'd have Melbourne, Brisbane, and the Warriors as an equal chance in my books to win the comp. I've got the Warriors at six, and again, getting healthy, and I'm not defending them at all because they've had some awful performances this year. They've had some real good performances, and they've had some in-between ones. But for big portions of the year, it's been Luke misses a couple of games, Johnson misses a couple of games, Sheck missed a couple, Green's missed a couple, Toho Harris missed like an eight-week stretch there, and I think he's been one of the best buys in the competition. But right, Blake Green back. Right now is the most important time to get healthy. Blake Green comes back after a rest. Harris was good last week. He helps Johnson out, and that just kind of unlocks that right edge, which is very dangerous for Fussy Tua. Sheck, to me, will win the Dahlia medal, even though he missed a couple of games, because any time they won a game, he was basically the best player on field. Mm. Um, they're back five, and their set starts from Carter, Fusitua, Marmolo. Why there's errors sometimes in those guys, That's the, they're the bit like the Sharks to me. They're their own worst enemy. Mm. If they start powerful with their set starts from the back, forwards get going forward, and they offload naturally second phase, not force things, and give a platform for Johnson to play off, and Green there takes that pressure off him. Um, with set finishes and just controlling things, they're a genuine threat. They can be. But can they do it for four weeks? I don't know. No, I don't know either. Number seven, uh, I've got the Panthers. Again, I I know there were some good signs last week, but Melbourne missing plenty of players. I know the penalty count was against them, et cetera, but there's still going to be a shitload of improvement uh, for them to prove a point to me. And this week, it would take a decent win against the Warriors. And I could see it happening because we don't know what we're going to get from the Warriors either. And there's still enough talent in this Panthers side, but firing your coach, all the dramas, bits and pieces there. Um, you know, are they going to be able to just control things here and go four weeks given what's happened and with that young side and the resilience they've shown so far? I don't think so. I think the biggest concern for Penrith is their penalties, their discipline, their completion rate at times. So if they can manage that, get better at that. Again, I think this weekend is the most important game for Penrith. If they, they can manage a win here, I think that'll really build some confidence and, you know, who knows what they can do in the following weeks of the finals. But, um, yeah, for me, I've got them at seven, but I rank them as, as as good a chance as the Dragons at winning the competition. And isn't that crazy in that we headed into State of Origin with Penrith and the Dragons on top of the competition and you know, in the space of the the you know the next twelve weeks, they've they've almost fallen out of the, the top eight. Yep. And the Dragons obviously sit at number eight, like I said. Uh we've both had our shoulders done, but again, once once you stretch the ligaments or you've got problems there. It can go back in and you can do rehab, but it doesn't mean it's right to go. And the murmurs were he didn't need surgery, but he needed to rehab. Now they're saying he does need surgery. So basically he's playing with a bunged shoulder. Yeah, if Wayne it does pop out... Full, he's going to be running a lot of traffic. Mate, to Tavita Pengai Jr. is going to say hello to him very early on and they're going to pepper him all day on that edge. So mm-hmm. uh, him playing, DeBellin's on crutches this week. If he's out and he's already been busted, Frizzell's playing needled. Ben Hunt's confidence is still absolutely shot in my opinion. I... If they can go up there and get the job done, that is huge. Because I think of all the games this weekend, that's the one you're looking at, given form, the way they've been playing and just general health, where I'm sitting there thinking, I don't think it's going to be a blowout. But if Brisbane got hot early on, started to get some offloads and tore them apart, I can't say I'd be surprised. But if I went through the Dragons team, 
And, you know, a lot's been lumped on Ben Hunt, but you look at Dufty, he's not playing as good as he was. Nano McDonald's not playing as good as well, he, he was. He missed time as Ewan well. Aitken's not playing as good as well, he was. Gareth well. Widdop like is busted. Um, you got Paul Vaughan who's busted. Cameron McInnes isn't playing good footy. Um, Leeson Armour is probably not having as as good an effect as what he was off the bench. And again, that's because of the platform that's been laid by the guys starting. DeBellins looked tired and busted. Tarek Sims, I think, maintained his he's form probably pretty the only much one the whole who's way kind of through. But you know, and Ben Hunt, his confidence has obviously taken a little bit of a hit. But you can look across the board. I think everyone's got to take some ownership of that. It's a team sport. I know Ben Hunt's on the big bucks, but... You need a platform. For mine, you need... Yeah, you do. You need a platform. Any half playing behind a, a forward pack that's getting dominated, um, you know, has his excuses. And if the Dragons forwards can come out and match it with the Broncos and Ben Hunt doesn't then do his job or um, get the Dragons over the line, then I think you can point the finger at him. Yeah. Well, there you go. There's our power rankings brought to you by the Penrith Solar Centre. Uh, game reviews are going to be very, very short. Please. Uh, brought to you by the Nepean Boltmaster. They are your complete fastening system supply with their main office located at Penrith, covering more than 1,500 square metres in a second branch at Seven Hills, covering 300 square metres of warehouse. They boast the largest range of fasteners and associated products, not only in the region, but throughout the state. There's a lot more than just fasteners. You'll also find industrial and engineering products, abrasives, hand and cutting tools, lifting materials and handling products, safety and cleaning products, paints, and general hardware items, the PM Boltmaster provides total need sourcing packages for all trades associated with construction, engineering, and associated industry segments. If you're a tradesman like myself, get your tools, get your gear, your nuts and bolts from no one else. But Nepean Boltmaster wasn't the boys there. www.nepbolt.com.au. Uh, first game, South Tigers, not much needs to be said, 51 to 10. The most important thing, I think, for South is they got their groove back. They got all their players back. Greg Inglis looks absolutely ripping and raring to go. Set starts return when they've got Jennings, Campbell, Graham at the back there. Johnston's ball playing, uh, even though I think he's a little bit busted, is a big thing. And like that change at the start of the year was made for a reason. Forward pack was outstanding. Cook got out off the back of it. Cody Walker, I still think, is has been, or if not, he's close to the best 5-8 this season. Reynolds had a good game, kick well. Like they, they just ticked all the boxes that you want to see against the team, admittedly, um, that pulled their pants down early on twice with a couple of kicks, and you know they had nothing to play for but pride and going out. But I'm still not going to get overly excited because they knocked the Tigers 51-10. But uh, at the same time, it was good after a couple of losses to see them just be ruthless and it tick was, a lot of boxes. Yeah, we did the game companion on this one. Obviously, I thought the Tigers competed, probably had the better of the first half. I would think yep. at least. Um, didn't deserve to go in down. I think they were that down late 10 try at half got. time. Yeah, the late so, try. Yeah, for me, uh, that was it. After that, I thought the Tigers played their worst half of footy and their last half of footy. They quit. Yep. South ran in a couple of soft tries. I take nothing out of it. No. Let's see how South go this week. Big thing for them, I guess, is Johnson's hamstring needs to hold up during this final series, and they've cleared Sam Burgess apparently of any strains or hamstring tears, and he was just being rested. But when you take someone off in that fashion and he didn't stand back up, you've still got to question how, how good that hamstring is. But they need him to beat Melbourne. Correct. Like, he, do, he doesn't stop them from beating Melbourne. I still think they've got a very good football side, but he's a – like, that's obviously would be a huge blow. He's going to play. Yeah, he's definitely going to play. Uh, but, yeah, not much else needs to be said about that one. Warriors Canberra. Uh, this one I only got to see bits and pieces of. Canberra gallant as always, but, again, it's I just, enjoyed this game. Too, too little too late for all the effort they've put in. Would have liked to have seen this early in the year, but like we said last week, when expectation and pressure is off, it's easy to play good football. But the big thing that we've seen all year happen again in this game, they got exposed on the edges. The left-hand side, Joey Leilua made a poor read, and the right side, 
uh, when they, I must say, they they made the right decision when they jammed in on Peter Hicku and that offload for Fusitua is one of the best no look passes you're going to see all season. Mm. Um, I think Raiders fans, maybe rightfully so, were a little bit disappointed with a couple of late calls. I think there was an obstruction call, uh, and what else was there? Yeah, no, I don't, I don't think they got the dodgy end of the call on, on um, yeah, maybe maybe the obstruction, but they just shot themselves in the foot. The Raiders, they. They were there. The game was there to be won. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, let's not talk about referees no. and the effect that they had. The Raiders, whether they like it or not, had their chances. And the Warriors were good enough in Mannering's 300th. But, uh, you know, it was always going to be difficult. Sell out crowd, difficult conditions. Not a lot to play for for the Raiders. But this was as good as a semi-final game. The yeah. Raiders played, treated it like it was a semi-final, like they did the two previous weeks against the Roosters and the Rabbitohs. And uh, I think it's it shows you... The maturity in the Warriors. I think this is a game that, you know, in years gone by, the Warriors would have have coughed up and they didn't. Well, the problem is, I guess we get that when they should have beat the Dogs a couple of weeks ago, they didn't, but they've done that a lot this year. But moving into finals, this, this was, yeah. Tohu Harris back in that side makes a massive difference on the right edge. He frees up Sean Johnson. He was outstanding. Mason Leno did a serviceable job, but when Blake Green comes back in, that's a big tick there. Uh, back five, set starts great. Roger two of us a check. So I guess for them. Um, heading into this week, they're close to full strength, and it's it's a positive. Yep. First time they've been in the finals since Johnson debuted that season when they made the grand final run. I'm pretty sure. Mm. So they haven't been in the finals since 2011. That's yeah, crazy. Well, the last finals game they played was a grand final. Uh, for the Raiders, like I said, just ruin a season of missed chances. Could have potentially been a top four side, given the amount of games they pissed up the wall. But they're moving into a new phase at the Raiders next year. Boyd and Paulo move on. Austin, so a bit of a turnover in the pack and a. New halves combination, potentially, I guess, Sam Williams, Caesar, White in there. Obviously, they've got some decisions to make there, and the forward pack's going to be a bit different, but a uh, disappointing season for the Disappointing, Ravens. yep. Melbourne, Panthers, uh, I thought it was pretty ordinary watching this game. Uh, the penalty count, I didn't agree with. I didn't think Penrith were that bad. The sin binning for Mansour, when I kind of looked at it by the rule book, I can understand that. Sometimes, like, maybe grabbed a little bit, but realistically, I didn't think Olam was going to score that try. I didn't think he had a great effect on it, so I thought that was a bit of a dumb Well, he call. couldn't score ones that were a lot easier. And I was going to say, for that one thing, that killed me watching that game. Justin Olam, the last two weeks, his yardage work is outstanding. He carries it like a bastard. He's hard to put down, but he has bombed four finishes that, as a winger, hmm. at least three of those, like, one where he caught it, he's standing two on the them, sideline. Two of them last week, he did it against the Titans and he did it again. Like, know where you are positionally. He's put his foot on the line. There was another one last week, he dropped and he celebrated like he'd won the lottery. The only one I could probably give him some defense for was the diving effort where his hand went down before the ball. But again, that's almost self-preservation rather than trying to score. And we see the best wingers in competition just put their body on the line. So two weeks in a row, I think he's kind of hurt his chances of pushing to play uh, much more first grade. While the yardage works outstanding, you've got to finish. And I think I'll give him a pass on one of them, but I think he's bombed three tries. Mm, uh, the Scott Drinkwater one, much like the Mansour thing, I didn't think there was much common sense applied. They just looked at the rule and said, that's the rule to let out of the law, but Kickout wasn't affected. He was that bloody deep when he caught that football that when he drifted across, Kickout could have made the effort, but uh, I didn't agree with that. All the Mansour sin binning, and nor did I agree that Penrith should have been hammered the way they did the penalty count, but I'm not reading a whole lot into it given the players that were missing. No Munster, no Slater, Croft pulled out beforehand. Asafa Solomona, Will Chambers, Brandon Smith is a big part off that bench. Um, Vunavalu. So there's six or seven guys there that would all be in Melbourne 17. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought it was ugly. But full credit to Penrith. They showed some effort. They defended their line, even though I thought Melbourne were pretty clunky. Riley Jacks, to me, didn't do himself any favours of trying to push that seven jersey. I think that's down to Croft and Hughes now. Hughes has been named. 
this week. But, yeah, the biggest thing for them, I guess, to take out is they held on through that adversity, the sin bins, defended their line, and we'll see what they can dish up this week. For Melbourne, that's just a flush performance. Probably the big thing to take out of it is Scott Drinkwater's debut was absolutely outstanding, and they've potentially unearthed he another, was, another really good kid. I still got nightmares. Um, we played him in a, in a University Shield game a few years ago when Terrible High School were able to go on and win the competition, and he tore us to shreds. Uh, and he looked pretty comfortable, didn't he, in his first grade debut? And um, well, he's going to really fit in nicely next season. Queensland Cup fullback of the year, he was named the week before and he's waited all year for an opportunity, given that Jerome Hughes and a lot of these guys obviously have been playing good football. But Melbourne have got some really good six, seven and one options moving forward because Drinkwater was a junior kangaroo, number six or seven, who's transitioned to fullback because he's obviously a good ball runner. Hughes was a you know a fullback coming through, Australian schoolboy, who's transitioned to play a bit of six. like. Munster's there. He says he reckons he's a fullback, but I think for his rep future, he's better off playing 5-8. They've got some options there for 1-6-7. Yeah. Uh, and like I said, people blowing up Stardew when Croft played a couple of bad games. Croft's still only 21 years old. So they've got a good group of young kids. It's just about getting someone to emerge. Yeah. And they've got some decisions to make moving forward. But it's better to have good young talent and options there Please. than to not have it and spending overs or going out to the market. So he's... Melbourne have got some, ch- uh, some choices to make. He's a, a, a really, really impressive uh, young man, that's for sure. Well, it's great to have, like I said, players win those kind of awards moving into men's football. And then Harry Grant, that young nine who played earlier in the year, in the RLPA, the players voted him the best player in the 20s last year, not Jake Clifford. And then he comes second in the Queensland Cup Player of the Year this season as a nine. And they've got Brandon Smith. So to have options in spine areas, even though they're all young, yeah. it's a very healthy position for a club that has to do a lot of hard work recruiting and developing their own talent. So that's yeah, a positive. Yeah. Dragons, Newcastle, uh, I didn't think this was that great of a game, to be honest, but Newcastle got up 10-0. The Dragons, full credit to them, and I guess that's the biggest thing for them moving to the finals is they found a way to fight back. They looked flat. They looked a bit dead and buried, but they fought back into this game. That long-distance try-off, Nane McDonald, uh, the effort by Dufty on that run as well, I thought he had a better game. I think Jordan Pereira, since he's coming, has been outstanding as well. He's just a, yeah, I'd agree with that. He's just a hustler. He really gets in there. He works hard. The week before when they got smashed, he was one of the only guys I thought could have held his head up high. His effort try at the end, just getting up, looking to jam his man and picking up that loose football. It was an ugly win. It was a scrappy win, but it doesn't matter. they got a win. They've got a little bit of confidence, similarly to a Penrith thing, heading to the finals with that result. But um, led from the front, I must say, by James Graham. James Graham was Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Great in that game. So, he loves um, it, James Graham. Tick a lot of boxes there just from an effort point of view and gritty, but uh, there's still a lot that needs to improve heading into this week. Absolutely. Their forward pack needs to step up, and it's not going to help if Jack DeBellin's out along with Paul Vaughan. That, that's a massive blow. And Gareth Whittle with his shoulder hold up, we don't know. But if he is healthy, that's a massive inclusion to help out that spine as well. Mm-hmm. So, for Newcastle, season of positives, I still think, considering the injuries, losing Ponga. For a period there to Origin and, and Ponga and Pierce, like your two most influential yeah. players, were out for significant periods of time during vital 
part yeah. of the season. And put them back in for that long period they missed. I think they win enough games to be viable for the bottom they part. They go close. Yeah. And you know, I still think there's been significant growth. Daniel Safidi's turned into a real genuine NRL front row. I think that's one massive positive. Next year, you've got Ramian coming in. He's a strike center. Moga returns. Uh, you know, they've rolled some more kids in. I know Meany's moving on, Cogger, et cetera. But there's still – I know Newcastle fans were frustrated, but I don't think you should be. I think all your boys turned out to be quite good by the two that got injured. But yeah. you can't help that. But Pierce, Pong has paid off. I even think Aiden Guerra for all the sticky cops had a great year. I think yeah. he's had a really good year. So I agree with that. Good growth for the Knights. Uh, Cowboys, Titans. We talked about this before. I don't really want to go into much more depth except flat start. I think both sides are pretty poor. Errors, uh, drop ball penalties, but – the Cowboys, Scott McLean, Tamalolo as a trio kind of makes you wonder what could have been if they were all together healthy at the start of the season. But again, pressure, expectation gone, changes the way you play your football. They laid the platform, which led to the victory. Nice to see Jonathan Thurston again just bust his ass for 80 minutes and hang in there uh, and fight to get his team to win. And when Ash Taylor threw that ball to Gideon Gelly Mosby, uh, Mosby, I must say that I was fist pumping when I was watching that on the TV because uh, for all the chat around... Uh, young Ash Taylor being a million-dollar player or the next Jonathan Thurston or the next Queensland halfback, I don't even think he's close to being that kind of player. Um, and the way he finished off the season justifies that. And it's not a hate-on for the bloke, but I just think when you get paid that kind of money and the things you heard last year that he had part saying the coach and getting Tyron Roberts back and these bits, if they're going to hand the keys to the city, he needs to perform as well. Agreed. And it's frustrating that someone, you know... With he's the, been outshone by AJ basically no experience. Yep. And, yeah, he's only played a handful of games. And, again, like massive raps to him. He played apparently with a broken hand and some busted ribs. And he was still very good to get on the weekend. But I think the big thing for the Titans, you admit it yourself, I don't think the Titans can really cry poor. They've got a really good forward pack. You've got Ash Taylor who they paid money. Brimson came in. In the centers or in the back line options, they're pretty much lacking. But they've got a really good forward pack. Mm-hmm. And they've got a couple of positives this year out of young Fotuaka. I thought for an 18, 19-year-old, he was great coming in. And Brimson obviously joins... Uh, that sort of thinking as well. So there is some positives, but next year with the money they've spent, they need to aim up. And Jai Arrow obviously been there as well. So they found some players, but is Boyd coming up motivated to join him with that forward pack? Uh, is Tyron Roberts coming back mean that Brimson is going to go back to fullback and he's going to be playing the halves with Ash Taylor? I think Nathan Peets was outperformed, honestly, in the back end of the year, not from an effort point of view, but in attack and spark out a dummy half by Mitchell Rain. Does his time at nine continue to be split and he plays more 13? Like, there's some things that need to be worked on. That's for Absolutely. sure. Absolutely. But I don't think you'd admit yourself. They can't cry poor with a forward pack. And then they've spent more money. And Peachy coming as well. Yeah. So we're going to see next year with a bit of money plus the players have already got a lot of representative players in that forward pack. Um, more. We need to see more. We need to see more. Yeah, I won't uh, argue with you. Gavin Cooper, Jonathan Thurston breaking that record. Uh, I think that's appropriate. The combination they've had over their career has been absolutely outstanding. But that kick when he... Snatched that out of the air to break the most consecutive tries by Ford since 1918. So it's been a 100-year record that stood by Frank Burge, I'm pretty sure. Gavin Cooper now owns it. And how appropriate that Thurston's the one who supplied the kick between those two. Yeah, exactly right. It was just a fitting farewell, wasn't it? The Titans, it's a season, not lost, but, uh, you know, one that they would have liked to have done better. And to be fair, they've got no excuse. No. Uh, Moving on. Roosters, Eels, nothing needs to be said except the Roosters were ruthless as to be expected. Parramatta, for me, this just summed up their season with poor attitude, errors, discipline, and just in critical times. There was zero resilience, and I think you saw what you've seen all year. Anytime they've looked like they've got any involvement in a game, critical error or penalty, whether it be coming out of yardage and then the sin binning and then backing up with another one straight after that when Moses off, when Jennings just hit caught off the tap. Like, yeah. That ill discipline and stupidity basically just sums up their whole year. 
and the scoreline's a true reflection of 11 players on the field. I can't really give too much credit for the Roosters because, like I said, I thought the Eels quit and 13-11, you should tear them apart, and rightfully so they did. Probably the most impressive thing for me wasn't the adjustment to attack the left edge when the players went off, but they started the game with a tactic to go up that right edge and they struck gold even when it was 13 on 13. So yeah. forward pack, nine, halves, one, back five, close to the best in the comp, if not you know competing up there with the Warriors, etc. They're ticking a lot of boxes. They're a great defensive side. The big thing is when they play a Brisbane again, if they do, or they play a Sharks, are they going to show more patience than what me and you saw when they played the Broncos the other week? That was the big question. They tore Broncos open enough times, but they weren't patient enough to get repeat sets or play out a full set. They, yeah, lost they didn't really need to have to be patient in this game, did they? No, nah, they just tore them to pieces. And, uh, yeah, moving on from that one. Sharks-Dogs. I thought this was a pretty good hit out for the Sharks, to be honest, given the Dogs oh, form they... four and a five to go into the finals. And the only question I had was, again, just defensively, I think they're not as resilient as what they have been. They've put a little more focus into their attack, but... The real positive here is Latelli comes back this week and Ramian, who I think are their real first-choice centers, even though you've got Dugan there. Uh, they've got backline options they're spoilt for to think that Edric Lee, who I think's had a really good year, Josh Dugan, who's a representative class player, uh, Fecky, who's come back and played some good football, that Ramian's named at 21. So if he's not healthy, he won't play. But they're not going to miss out, given what they've got. But those two guys back, Moylan had the week off. He's back now. Wade Graham, if he stays healthy, unlocks that left edge. Valentine Holmes, like you said, has been close to the best player uh, if not close to the last six to eight weeks, along with Roger Tuivasa Check. And I think over that span, he's been more consistent than Check. But um, gritty old forward pack, they're tough. Absolutely. Their biggest enemy, like we said, is themselves. If they can get everything right, if they can make it a dogfight, if their forward pack can make it ugly, if they can use these outside backs. And a guy a lot of people I know they don't like him, but Chad Townsend, I think he's had a pretty solid year. Mm, he, I thought of, he was pretty good. A lot of people love to hate on him. Yeah, well, he's not the flashiest halfback, but again, on the weekend, I thought he had a pretty solid game and yeah, steered everything solid. around. So. Solid. Um, Dogs, not the best way to end the season. There was a bit of errors, a bit clunky. Probably, again, a lot of young kids in there. Last game of the season, probably could see the finish line. So, um, a lot of positives with the young blokes. They've blooded. More young blokes coming in next year. Harawira and Naira, obviously, only signed this week from Penrith. Jack Cogger, Nick Meany coming over from Newcastle. So, that rebuild. Christian Crichton. It's going to take a little bit of time, but they've made some pretty smart moves considering getting decent young kids in their salary cap situation mm. along with Martin, Remus Smith, yeah. et cetera, Lachlan Lewis who have came in. So uh, just ticking some boxes moving into next season, I guess, here for the Dogs. Broncos, Manly, uh, to close things out. Again, nothing else needs to be said. The Broncos are ruthless. They're outstanding. Their forward pack tore them to shreds. Second phase, the halves ran 100-plus metres off the back of that. Their bench comes on. They don't just maintain the rage. They lift the intensity for feeder off of Hingawi. Pangai, if they want to deploy him that way, couple of steady heads in Maguire and Thiday to lead that young forward pack, and they, that's going to be needed this week. Um, but that's the biggest thing. In a finals game, can these halves supply a good kicking game? Can they finish sets? Can they close the game out? Can they, they control the things? They've got the most kick metres in the comp, so... Well, Anthony Milford has full credit to him taking it upon himself to be the real dominant kicker, and again, last probably two months has been outstanding with his kicking. Hmm. But those young guys are the big ones that need to step up. That Man, forward they were, pack. Man, so, they were awful. Oh, dreadful. Absolutely terrible. Corey Oates. For a team that doesn't want to see their coach go, they haven't really played for their coach, have they? Definitely not. And Manly, I'd sum them up, just turmoil from start to finish. Uh, the Hastings situation, the supposed divide in the group, letting Green go before they locked up Mitchell Pearce or Matt Moylan, then moving into the salary cap situation. Tapau being told that, you know, basically by the media and other people that he's been shopped around without him knowing, and now you're hearing that he does want to leave, given the whole situation. Trent Barrett, the Pens, it's just been diabolical the whole season. Yeah. 
yep. and it ended on the right note, basically, considering what they've done. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then the coaching situation. They go after Michael Maguire, but Michael Maguire is used to having good setup, good facilities, all these bits and pieces that they can't give to Trent Barrett. So what makes him think they can pick him up? And his price tag would be double what Trent Barrett would be on. Mm. So it looks like they're just going to take the bargain option, which the Pens have done the whole way along, as much as they've complained they've spent money and just signed John Cartwright, mm. who's the assistant because the players like him. And they want to make the players happy, in particular the Trebojevic's. Um, but that's just not really good business if you want to progress in the NRL, just signing a coach because you want to appease a couple of people and you're looking for a cheap option. And if you're John Cartwright, I don't think he's going to get another NRL gig after having such a long-term stint at the Titans, and that's no massive shot at him, but this is one of the only gigs I think he would get if he did apply for it. And in this situation, it looks like he's more going to get it on a default basis. So, Well, they shouldn't be... They should. They shouldn't be appointing coaches on a default basis. No, they shouldn't. And I'm sure he's so keen place... to take any job. But realistically, if I'm him and I'm looking at it moving forward, it's almost just taking it because this is one of the only NRL gigs I'm going to get. But do I think I'm going to be able to do much with salary cap restrictions, a club that doesn't want to spend money on attracting players? No. And if they lost someone like Tapia, that would be a massive blow. Mm. He's one of the best front rowers of the comp. Yeah, I agree so. all that. Very interesting times ahead for them. They now, need to though. focus on uh, what they're doing off the field. Yeah, well, the big thing, I guess, for them now that they've moved into the uh, off-season is sorting out this situation where Trent Barrett wants to pay up because they breached that 12 months of contract, which he's entitled to. They don't want to pay up. They were trying to find ways or grounds to get rid of him, but that hasn't paid out. But realistically, they just need a clean break as quickly as possible now the season's over and to move on. Um, and any... Off-field situations like the Tafau one or any players that are uncertain about what's going on with salary cap, they need to knock that on that as well. Um, so, yeah, interesting time ahead for Manly. But, yeah, moving on to the fan questions. Let's get ripping into these ones. JDHD, who are your tips for the first round of the NFL? Also, I hope the Falcons can get up on Philly and make a statement to start the year. I hope they can too. Well, I haven't really seen uh, a lot of the games. I think the Rams are playing the Raiders. I, thought, oh, no, I haven't looked. I'm looked. a Falcons man, and we kick it off against the uh, the Eagles, so I'll be tuning into that, definitely. A lot yeah. of people love to hate the Falcons, love to write them off. So I'm a Should fan. have won the Super Bowl. Should have uh, should have beaten the side that won the Super Bowl last year as well. So see how we go this year. I didn't even look to see who the Patriots kicking off with. We've got the Texans, don't we, to kick off? No idea. I don't give a shit. Well, there you go. To be fair. But yeah, all the tips, not going to be going through them. But yeah, looking forward to the NFL being back. That's a full. Well, if the Falcons are ever going to beat Philly, it's, it's a nice time. time to get them. Alshon, um, Jeffrey, Ajahi, uh, no Wentz. There's a lot no of guys Wentz. still missing. So uh, good way to start things off realistically. James Hughes, your thoughts on the different reactions to Trent Merrin getting nude and Adam Elliott getting nude. Alcohol or not, both lacked, acted like fools with opposite results. Well, I kind of thought similar yesterday. Did you see that video? No. I was shooting the finals football thing at Penrith Park and they had the players with the flashing lights, etc. And Cleary's about to kick a goal and Trent Marin runs through one of the camera shots completely naked and kicks the football. Mm. So I guess it's for a promo shoot, but the idiocy, I guess, or again, or the joke side of it is, you know, you've got to play a well, naked. I'd be disappointed if I'm Trent Marin that it got leaked. Well, Who he leaked it? But he did it while the Fox shoot was going on. I get so. that. So, yeah, but what I mean is why would Fox then leak it? Because they thought it was funny. Well, he might have been okay with it. But the thing is, people laughed at that video the other day and didn't have a problem with it. But I guess it is a different environment. It is a completely different situation. He's yeah, you'd say, sober well, and he's in control there, of his um, actions. Was there females nah. there? Oh, well, maybe on the cameras or I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Like, I get that. He probably would have looked around and gone, you know, if there's a lady there, I wouldn't do it. But there's not. There's a lot of guys here. I'm going to have a joke. Whatever. Mm. I don't know, is it again? Is it the world's worst crime? Probably not. not really. And he's that sort of guy. Like he's yeah. he's pretty happy go lucky. 
if, if you're determined to be offended, you can find anything to be offended yeah. by. So I look, I don't really care. Like it's the only person that's really embarrassing for is a person who's got his gear off because it's just you know it's pretty embarrassing, you know. Mm. Yeah, well, but I'm... if he finds it funny, good on him. Good luck to him. If the boys found it funny and there was no women around and he he thought about his actions before he did it and everyone had a laugh, he put his gear back on and play on like. I don't want to talk about naked people, to be honest. I want to talk about football. Oh, I don't, right yeah, I don't. I don't no. I'm just, I yeah. just, the Adam Elliott one to me is like, he's naked because he's drunk. Yeah, like, and you're in a public And he place. hasn't thought about, no. you know, whether he's going to offend anyone. And so. blokes are grabbing him on the horn and he's moved out of the pub, the private people area. That are, people that are comparing them, it's pretty silly to compare them. Yeah. Dr. Hunt ends season. Janice Mateus, he changes his name everywhere. It's classic. Dragon season, success or failure. Man, you Dragons fans are ruthless. Success. They've made the finals. Finals. Uh, is a success if they get bundled out week one, given the way they've started it, you know. But honestly, like if you sit down and assess it, and I've only been blunt, and I have been blunt from the start of the year. I've never thought they've had the ability to win it. I don't think they've got the bench to win it. I think their one to thirteen is outstanding. But I well, still we're never going to know because they're not going to be fit. They're well, not fit, even if they were fit. I still don't think they win. Yeah, the well, we're never going to know. That's the so. point. So I, I think they were a, they were a huge chance if fully fit and in the top four, but they're not. Well, so I, again. I don't think they're. To me, if, there hope. if they would have finished in the top four, I think that would have been a massive overachievement. I thought they were going well, they to make the, make the eight, but I think they've landed about where they should have. Based on injuries. I think seventh or eighth was about where I think I put them at seventh. So they've ended up roughly where I thought they would have. But yeah. Uh, Dan from the Sportress, with a growing focus on more direct play as opposed to the sweeping block movements, is the role of the hooker becoming increasingly important? Well, look at South. The role of the hooker is everything. Depends. If you don't have a good hooker, you know, I, I'm not sure that you you can win the competition, but you're going to have to have some out-and-out superstars outside of them. And, again, you can't – it's all well and good to have a good hooker. You need to have a good forward pack. You just watch watch South and how much they rely on Cook getting a quick play of the ball. If, if you didn't uh, listen to the game, companion, and watch the game, we're highlighting, you know, when they were getting a quick play of the ball and the effect that Cook has on their set. So it's going to be something to watch, particularly with South Sydney throughout the final series. But, yeah, you, you need an elite hooker. It's where the, where the play starts. Yeah, and I've said it before. I'm not saying you have to have one of the top nines because there's not many nines, but the nine is important depending on the style of game you like to play. And South base their game off that power game. Everything comes off their middle. Everything starts in that ruck with the Burgesses, with Sam, with Tom, with George. Cook off the back of that. And those halves, especially Cody Walker, pushing off the back of you know what they create in the middle and the damage they do. But some teams, like you say, rely more on their nine for that reason depending on how they want to play. Other teams have got better halves. Some have more involvement with their number one. Like You've got the Roosters. They're probably more reliant on their halves and their fullback than they are on Jake Friend. Jake Friend has a more simpler role. But the forwards still have to lay a platform. Mm. Then you look at someone like Cameron Smith at Melbourne. Everything starts with Smith. But they've also got the privilege of having Munster and Billy Slater. So in different teams, nines tend to have more of a focal point, but like it, it's a, it's an important position. Like Spine positions, regardless, are very important. Mm. Flat white with one. Is it worth having the JJ Gilton and Shield and 100K for the minor premiers? Seems like no one thinks it's a good prize. Yeah, it should be a lot more. Yeah, it should be a bigger award than 100K. Huge. Like it should be massive. Barely, should be at least a mil. It's barely the minimum wage for an NRL player is $110,000, and you're giving them less than that for being the most consistent side throughout the NRL season. It's or just a, can the Gilton and Shield? Don't have any. Don't right. have any rewards exactly. for it. Don't place any value on it. Benji's power band. Why the overreaction in the media about Mad Monday? Do it behind closed doors. Do We've you guys it. have any good Mad Monday stories? PG, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Plenty. Oh, PG. Yeah. Nah, it's just good fun. Man, Monday's a good fun. You got blokes around having a good time, having a joke, taking the piss out of each other. It's always good fun. But yeah. 
the, the thing about remembering the, the thing about remembering Mad Monday stories is, you know, remembering Mad Monday. I don't remember many Mad Mondays to be honest, but I never got in that sort of trouble. That's for sure. No. Sam Knox, what are your thoughts on how the passing the ball into the opposition player rule is working? So often I see the dummy half look to pass and balk or throw a loopy pass over the top to avoid contact, and it takes momentum away and gives chance for the defence to rush up. Well, they addressed it earlier that you can't intentionally pass it into a player if they've made an effort to get out of the ruck. Um, you know, it's as simple as that, really. When they have to loop one over the top, may slow down the momentum a bit. I guess so, but it's not something I'm staring at thinking it's making a you know ginormous difference. It doesn't happen, you know, every two or three rucks in a game. Oh, I think we've gone too far the other way. I think there's players laying in the ruck that are disadvantaging the team trying to get a roll on. So I think. As soon as someone laying in the ruck illegally influences the play negatively, there should be a penalty. Yeah. Justin, who's the best referee in the NRL and the worst and why? Matt Chechen is the best by more. Yeah, I was going to say. Chech is the best. Worst, I, I don't know. There's a couple of blokes. Worst, I think Ashley Klein's the worst. Yeah. Well, I think now, Ashley Klein is terrible. Now that you bring it up, he's, uh, he does he have some no, game. He never, ever, 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 makes ever a makes, a, makes a call. Yeah, I don't know. I, but he's, he's obviously in the... In with the click in the referees at the moment, so politics exists everywhere, I guess, unfortunately. But he also says any potential. Well, they shouldn't in an organisation like that. Like no. it should be, yeah. Flat. But anyway, that's it. Don't get me started on any it. potential rule changes that will or won't happen in twenty nineteen. Well, we need get rid of the seven tackle set. Less rule, like we shouldn't be having changes of rules and lower every single year, but lower interchanges, not to six. And like Brock said, we've said a million times, you shouldn't be punished. With seven tackle sets, especially if you're kicking from 30 or 40. I just think if you deliberately kick the ball dead, if the referee can deem that you deliberately kicked it dead, seven tackle set, I'm happy with that. Use their discretion. Um, but other than that, there's no way it should be a seven tackle set. Yep. Chris Stephan says, started listening to the show this year and loving the no bullshit approach. Can you explain what you mean when you say give yourself a triple? Give yourself a give yourself three a, punches on the chin. Give yourself an uppercut three but It's times. an old fatty Vorton, so he used to say it give yourself in the mid-90s. So. Good times. Simon Fraser says, hey, lads, do you know where you can get a really good quality telescopic camera lens maybe to use in conjunction with vantage points of Surrey Hills on the same night of News Corp's Christmas party asking on behalf of budding photographers? Mm. Well, clearly uh, unhappy about the whole situation, the way things worked out. But again, it is what it is. But number one thing is they wanted to be advocates in the game. They had a private functionary. Don't leave the private functionary. Michael who would be the top 10 athletes left in the final series and who out of that 10 could ever transition to the NFL? Well, Top 10. I'll give you a handful. Two of us for Shep could play in the NFL. Yeah, I think uh, Holmes has done his little trial order before. He's someone to be like a little scat back or someone you could use out of the backfield who can catch passes. But yeah. We're talking about yeah, it's skill sets. It's a completely different game. Like yeah. There's not many guys that could make that transition. And the man I that- don't think our game is smart enough to for the, our players to go over there and understand. That's why Hayne only had the role of catch it and run. Like yeah. He couldn't grasp the playbook. You know, I know they say he, he knows the playbook and yada, but knowing it, in, in terms of being able to recite it and then being able to deliver and remember. those lines and remember it under pressure in a game, yeah, well, I, I, I don't think people have the correct amount of appreciation for the the complexity of the NFL and the amount that those players need to know. And most of them are university educated. They're yeah. smart. They're yeah. a lot smarter than the athletes that we've got here. And I don't care what anyone says. If that offends people, we're a dumb game in my opinion as, as a whole. I, I think we could be a hell of a lot smarter. And the other thing I've got to bring up as well, like Jordan Mailata, no offense to him, couldn't play in the NRL because he's too big. Yeah, It's not a knock on the kid, but you watch him play at 20s, he dominated in an attack, but being... But in his role isn't based around intelligence. No, no, no. His role is... But I'm just saying, like, people were going, well, NRL player's going to be... He's not 
your typical NRL player. He's an, he's a he's physical huge. phenomenon. He's 160-something kilos. When he got to South, he was apparently close to 180, six foot eight. So in 20s, it's all good when you're playing direct and playing straight and you bustled and bulldoze people. But in defense and in an 80-minute game with the speed of rugby league and the quick play of the balls, you can isolate a player like that. Yeah. But in a position of left tackle where your job is to literally just dominate the man standing in front of you, he has rare foot speed and power and size that forever in that game will transition. He's still got a lot to learn. Because like you said, there's still complexities to playing in the front line. There's protection and blocking schemes, and they have to know their role, again, on different protections and different setups. But physically, from that standpoint, like he's one of the rare people that has the ability to go play that position over there. There's not a whole lot of rugby league players that will transition to many positions over there. And like you said, the game's just a lot more complex full stop. Yeah. So we've got plenty of good athletes, but those who could go over there, um, not many, in all honesty. Yeah. And what about best athletes as far as power and size? Jason Tamalolo did one of the NFL trials last year, and I don't think that worked out quite as well as what people would have thought. So that kind of tells you, you know. There mm. you go. What else we got here? Daniel Friend, he was just confirming to one of the listeners before, give yourself a triple up. Parramatta supporters love the give yourself a triple and bang your head on the table all up. So the combita- uh, combination, mm. if anyone out there has heard the old bang the head, which I'm sure plenty of people have. What do we got here? Uh, Liam, a Storm fan, suggesting a couple of podcasts, and we're included in that one as well. Oh, what have we got Some here? riveting questions. This mate, week. a lot of them are people when they write in a feed, mate, so it kind of mm. gets tangled up when I'm scrolling through here. Joel Banks, does Western Sydney junior teams pretty much act as the feeding ground for the majority of clubs to pick at? Yes. Yeah. And, well, and Brisbane. It's been happening for a long time, really. Well, Southeast um, Queensland, I suppose. Lots of players that move. Mind you, I think Townsville up north, there's a lot of good players as well. Victoria, they've got a couple of schools now, rugby league schools. Um, so, yeah, it's on the it's on the increase. Yep. Lincoln Ison, would you guys like to see the surnames of the back, on the back of the jerseys? Yes. I would, but I guess week to week when they make changes, they don't do that for that reason on game day. Or in Super League, obviously, they own a number I'd for like the year, don't the, they? I'd like to see the players, yeah, um, own a number. Well, they own a number in the Super League, don't they? So you can have your don't, number. No, I don't think they do. Well, no. well, I thought that was what they do, but there you go. In the UK? Yeah. No. Well, I've seen black, white blokes wear like 30 and 40 in that. They've yeah, got their name they on choose that, that number. All right. But yeah. Well, I know Leeds. Leeds in particular, they don't, they don't do it. All right. Chris Cicluna, question one. Does it surprise you that Thurston is going all the fanfare and Slater is getting next to nothing? I ask this because Slater is a lock for an immortal and I don't think Thurston will become one. And part two, he says, he's Hain a magnet for the spoon. He leaves and they make the top four, ignore the loss of points for salary cap, and as soon as he returns, boom, they have the spoon again. No, I don't think Hain's solely to blame for that. There's no, I wouldn't agree with that. Poor recruitment. Sort of they don't have front rowers. Um, in terms of Slater's, a lot of people love to hate Slater because he plays for Melbourne. Yeah. So I, I love Slater. I, I think as much as Slater, if not more than what I do... Thurston, different positions, but I think Billy Slater's the best, clearly the best fullback ever. So it's going to be sad to see him go, but um, you know, I've got just as much respect for Billy as a player on the field as what I do Thurston. I think Thurston has got a lot more and uh, I guess had more fanfare because of what he's done off the yeah. field. And the Simple way he's perceived and the bloke, like Billy's had a couple of moments where people love to hate him for, whether it be the the slider when he's coming to tackles and all, and again, like you said, he plays for oh. Melbourne, so that's the big one. People hate Melbourne and Queensland. Like yeah. people in New South Wales don't like him because he's 
caused us so much heartache for 10 years. Yep. Ruben, Anthony Harding, can you guys give us an update on players who are still without a contract for 2019? No. If you want to do that, there's a couple of websites you can look at, but we're not going to be running through all the players. No offense, mate. Yeah. But yeah, that, that's that's a bit open-ended. To there's be. still a few. Yeah, and I think there's a couple of bigger names that are going to get deals sorted. It's not a matter of uh, when they're going to jump get the on deals. zero tackle. Don't they have a list of it? Zero tackle has every off-contract player. So yeah, maybe. jump on there and have a look. Yeah, Campbell Scott, can we have a fifth and last tipping comp next year? Well, we did have a couple, but I think we just kind of got off it because we got so many kind of family and friend ones that we kind of have going on. So yeah. sometimes we miss out. But yeah, we'll launch something again next year on the uh, footy app or something like that. Matty Gardner says, love the podcast. Keep up the work. Just wondering what your overall ranks in fantasy were this year. Well, we don't play the typical super coach where you get the ranking. We do our own league, usually about six of us, where we draft a squad where you can only have the players you drafted. So we, more yeah. NFL style. You can't have everyone have first and everyone have English. We draft our own players. We do a bigger squad on purpose because during the year you can't pick up free agents that are killing it. So it doesn't give you that advantage. You must trade in you know, in between your own squads. So Yeah. We've used a few different websites. I um, lost the grand final. I was the best team all year by mile. Yeah, I finished. Oh, I, I finished with a minor, team. and I got knocked out. So no, I finished with a minor champ. We finished equal, didn't we? Yeah, but I was a mile oh, ahead on points. You can have the four against me. But it's fine. Yeah, neither of us won it, and that's fantasy. Ryan Hall says, "Manly fifteenth, not far off the spoon." So there you go. I haven't had many apologies. I had plenty of people fucking bagging me at the start of the year. I haven't had apologies. many people say, "Oh yeah, you were right." Just like last year when I tipped me into a storm, Mel- uh, storm Cowboys grand final. At whatever it was, forty to one. Did Latrell? How close did Latrell Mitchell go to getting top point scorer? Uh, Tip that at forty-one to one as well. Well, I had went up before he got injured, so I was leading the whole year until he got busted. Well, Latrell, I'm pretty sure, only just missed out. I think he got beat by about eight points. Which is fuck all. Like forty-one to one. If you if you're smart enough to back it and then cash out once it's shortened in, you would have made a shitload, yeah. which I did on both that and Manly. All good. I, I wish, in hindsight, I wouldn't have taken the money for Latrell. I would have rode, rode it out, and I would have got done, but because my investment wasn't as much as what it should have been. Yeah. Cam Irving, thoughts on Ben Barber to the Cowboys on the one-year deal, and does he have to serve the 12-week suspension he, uh, he no, ran? No, he served it in the Super League. Hashtag Butt Kenty. Everyone's got on the Butt Kenty hashtag since we started. He already mm. served it, like Brock said, when he first signed with St. Helens. He missed half a season. So, no. Are the thoughts for them... Uh, with the situation with Lachlan Coote, I can understand, depending on what price they got him at. I think Ben Hampton looked quite good the last few weeks playing at one, but Clifford Morgan more likely to be the Haas pairing, I guess, there with Granville at nine and Ben Barber the way he played over there. There's no doubt he's a class player. The question is, can he keep his shit together off the field long enough? But that's why they've signed the one-year prove-it deal up there because they need a fullback and he's a quality player and then they're probably going to go after Valentine Holmes, which potentially leaves an opening for him to go back to the Sharks if he plays good football the year after. Yeah. So we'll have to wait and see what happens, I guess. Uh, Chris Bench says, what would you guys like to see the interchange at? Personally, I'd like to see it down to four, but it's not my fat ass running around the field. Mm. I think six. I think four is way too much asking again. We see with these injuries and the concussion protocol and the HIA, if a player's ruled out, you lose that substitution. Six, and I'd so. like to see an 18th man, for instance, like Napa or McCulloch. Yeah. Adam Thomas wants our opinion on the salary cap, making it more transparent, similar to the States. Well, we've said this one a million times. Third yeah. parties should be made public, so we know generally what the clubs are spending. Other than that, like that, if you want this to make things... why I think the game's dumb. We're, we're a dumb game. Mm. Like, players cry poor and we say, no, 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 we can't do that. Well, in America, they get paid... Their, their game is 100 times more popular than what the NRL is here, um, the NBA and the NFL in particular. And all of it is... Public. Public. Pub, public knowledge. Like, um, 
there was a contract lodge for Aaron Rodgers for the Green Bay Packers last week. You can get online right now and look, look at, at that contract. The breakdown, the bonus, so, the sign-on each year. For NRL players crying poor, to me, for them not to want to know uh, what people are paid or what they're getting paid, it tells me that there's a lot of dodgy shit going on. Well, you can also benchmark easier. And again, managers and players, like, there should be more transparency. Well, that, that would fucking blow the managers away. Like... Mm. Piss them off. Piss off the influence that they've got because I'm sick of the influence that managers have got. Mm. Uh, but we're going to grow up and become more intelligent as a game. And unfortunately, that process is a lot slower than what I would like it to be. And the other thing there, and I'll say this again, whether you like it or not, the media is basically onto the details of contracts half the time what they're worth. So, Oh, well, I don't like that. I like one, Oh, I know the contract and I know this guy's going there and I know... Like, no, well, the thing don't. is, half of it gets leaked to them by managers and other well, bits and places. So, so we already, we already know what anyway, most of them are like, getting. And it just... Facts are facts. Like, And then we can focus on other things. Yeah. Duncan Bridgeford, peanut butter, smooth or crunchy? Well... Crunchy. We've hit on a funny note there, Crunchy. I'm allergic to peanuts, so... Neither. Because death. Crunchy. Death's not an option in that one, Duncan, but death for me. Crunchy, man. There you go. So Brock and Edit, I can't. Steve Delaney Cruz, excuse my ignorance, but what exactly does leg speed mean? Well, your speed, your initial takeoff speed, I guess, your acceleration. Acceleration, leg speed, like into the line, like getting off the mark or driving through as well. Players with good leg speed or good power can generally keep pushing in tackles Get as in well. front of a, a – well, get over the ad line, yeah, yeah, and then have more post-contact meters, I guess. Yeah, so power, acceleration, et cetera, all that, but leg speed, they call it. Luke Green, hey, thoughts on Cartwright as a manly coach? I have a bad feeling the Pens are going to go the cheap option and make him the first grade coach. Have fun well, with that. He was a Titans coach. Basically, literally what we said before, it seems like the Maguire thing, for some reason, they think they can get him. But if you think you're going to get Maguire for less than Barrett, you're kidding yourselves. And he had all the bells and whistles at South, at Wigan, and he come from the Melbourne setup. So he's not going to go there on the cheap. Mm. And he's not going to go there with incorrect facilities and not the ability to spend and get players and recruit. So... It looks like exactly that, that Manly are just going to take the next best guy there because it keeps the Draboyevichs and a couple of Manly people happy, um, which is not smart long-term. Mm. And that's the thing. If you're going to own a club, you should be looking long-term or constantly looking for improvement, not just owning it to say that you own an NRL team. And it seems like during their tenure or since they've had full control, since breaking away from the Delmages and that side of the board, is that they run it on you know, absolute fumes, really. I know they're trying to push to get some upgrades and they've apparently got some money approved and they're going to build a centre of excellence in there. They're trying to do a few bits and pieces, but let's see that first before, you know, and it gets proved. But. Would agree. Yeah. Daniel Friend, early pick for player of the final cities. Tedesco for mine. Hashtag, but can't he? Oh, uh, yeah. Cronk. Cronk. Uh, who? Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, Sam Burge. I think Cody Walker is a, uh, a sneaky. Well, if we're going to look at the teams we think are going to do well, if it's going to be coming from the Roosters, I would be saying Tedesco probably as well. If we're going to be saying from someone like the Sharks, you've got Valentine Holmes and Wade Graham for me that are two. They're going to play a big part in what they do. If it's coming from South, Cody Walker, Damian Cook, Sam Burgess. There's a couple of guys you could pick out that you think are probably going to be the lead candidate for them. For Melbourne, Smith, Slater, Munster, Brisbane, it's going to be coming from Milford. Pangai Jr. has been the real spark for the rest of that forward pack to get on the back of. Uh, For the Warriors, Sean Johnson is your key. Roger Tuovasashek, Isaac Luke. Like it's just basically the main names. They're the ones that need to step up. Yeah. They're the ones you'd expect if you're going to deliver a premiership. Nathan Walsh, do you buy into any of the reports around referees having bias towards teams and them having left success with particular referees? Broncos have an outstanding record with any Sutton refereeing them. I'm pretty sure someone said last week. Jared Sutton against in a row, Broncos and the Roosters. Yeah, it's like 15 and 0 or 16 and 0 or something crazy like that. Mm. So 
I'd like to think they don't, and I don't think they, I don't think they do. But yeah, sometimes when you see a statistic like that, it's quite crazy. But at the same time, the Roosters, I saw a graphic the other week. I think over the last decade, are the most penalised team in the NRL by a long way. Yeah. So you know, and generally part of that is of their own fault inside twenty. Like we've spoken about many times, they're willing to cop a penalty to reset their line. So uh, you know, I don't, I, I don't want to look into it too much or blame referees, but yeah. Jay Smith says, Sharks, why so grubby? So I don't know if that's more so in relation to the salary cap or just in general. Uh, again, a team that people love to hate, I guess, Boxhead. Absolutely. And on the back of that, he says, hashtag Brett is the best hashtag I've ever seen. So there's multiple people that are getting on the back of that one. Chris Cohen, uh, Tonga, really a tier one nation. At the moment, they are strong. But once they lose for Feeder and Tamalala, they'll be back at the same standard as tomorrow. No, I don't think they will be PNG. because a lot of players will want to then go there and it's going to cause a spike in hopefully participation from Tongan players. There's a lot of Pacific Islander players playing. So, yeah. In all honesty, I don't think they're a tier one nation because I don't think they're going to have the constant supply. I think they are. And part of the tier one thing is having your own competition based out of your own country, I think, and having that supply of players backing up. That's so bullshit. Unless every single player that has Tongan blood is going to play for Tonga and consistently turn down playing from New Zealand and Australia to play for Tonga, which I don't think it will, so... I'd love to see it happen, but for now... Well, it's, it's happening right now. That's why they're playing well, Australia. Right Mate, now... you watch. If they beat Australia... Whoa. Yeah, I don't see it happening. Right now, it's a spark. I'd like to see it turn into a flame, but I wouldn't be jumping into Tier 1 status just after one good World Cup. That's all I'm saying. Mm. It's a bit early to jump the gun, so they're a Tier 1 nation right now. But do they have the potential to be a Tier 1 nation? 100%. Stephen Moorcroft, which club would be best suited in signing Marty Tapao and why? Any. Well, if you want to pick out a Parramatta. few, Parramatta were apparently a photo taken the other day talking to the recruitment. So that would be a massive move. They definitely need one, but at the same time, they just spent reportedly $750,000 on Junior Paulo, which is not really a smart move. Speaking of Junior Paulo, Canberra. Canberra have just lost their two starting front rows. They could certainly do with him. And then your old favourite, as everybody knows, the Roosters were linked to Marty Tapao. No idea how they'd fit him in, but if he was to go there, that would be absolutely ridiculous. They can fit anyone in, With mate. that forward pack. So, there you go. There you go. Fan questions, mate. All done. Mm. So, moving into the tips, the gossip, all thanks to the Pro Sports Syndicate. And on the weekend, best bet, another winner box head. They got up with the Raiders with the start four and a half. So, that takes the best bets. 10 or 14, so pretty decent strike that there. Keep your eyes out for those affiliate links with Neds. I think they were offering a matched first deposit up to $250, so pretty good value there. 250 in, and you get 250 bonus bets on top. Uh, and in the package bets for the weekend, their lines, their main lines, they went two from three. So, again, pretty decent strike weight with the lines, like we pretty said good, yeah. last year. Uh, the lines alone had them a profit on the season of close to two and a half thousand dollars or you know, almost 20% potential return. So, like we said last week, if you're betting... I don't know, say $1,000 at this point in time, you get a 20% cent, 20% return on top of that yeah. 200 on their line bets. So the Pro Sports Syndicate charity account, uh, Cohen Hess did not score, unfortunately, for the Cowboys. Why did you have that bet? You're well, strange, man. I was looking at it and the, that edge of yours is disgusting. And Cohen Hess yeah. loves an inside 20 and I thought they would score a few more tries than they did. They're not scoring five, but the other back row scored. Mm. Cooper, probably should have gone Cooper to break that record, to be honest, mm. which he did. Well, you know... You start betting again, though. Every week I message you, you tell me that I keep doing it. You get back on board. You didn't message me this week, mate. Yeah, I did. You told me to bet, and I did. I've got the text message to prove it, bro. I was on the box, probably. No, it was well before that. You just brushed me on a Thursday night or something. You've brushed me the last few weeks, bro. Come on. Help me. Help me with the bets. We need to win for the charity. Bears of hope, as we said before. Obviously, uh, 
the charity we're representing this year. And we plugged it a couple of weeks ago, but I'll bring it up again. Alistair Locke and his rugby club, fantastic effort by them. They're also fundraising. I uh, forgot to put that link up, mate, but I will put it up again. They were close to $5,000, so massive effort on their part of things. Big effort from you when you ran the city to surf and raised $1,200, $1,300, and we're just under $1,000 on the season with our charity bets, thanks to the Pro Sports Syndicate. So keep your eyes out for their best bets and those affiliate links, and they're going to be chipping in for our NFL fantasy comp prop that some yeah. listeners have jumped in on. So there'll be a free package for all the NFL tips for the season, I think it is, for people. So whoever wins it will get a, get next season for free. The, the whole NRL. Year for free. But aren't they um, giving someone the NFL tips as well? I'm not sure. Well, we have to tee that up. Yeah. But there'll be... um, the other one is the two runners-up will get a free month next year. Yeah, so. for the NRL package. And they're paying nothing to get into it. So anyone that's jumped into our tip, uh, NFL fantasy comp, well done. Drafts tomorrow night. We both love our NFL. So I've got to be honest, I, I'll probably get into the NFL a little bit more than the NRL um, just because it's a little bit of a change-up for me from footy. So I love it. Love it. Good times. And we move on now to the gossip from Mr. Gossip. And he sent a few bits through this week. The Knights have almost got a deal done for Matt Frawley. So we heard the other day, obviously, he was moving on from the Bulldogs. But the Knights obviously looking for a bit of depth on that side of things well, with Brock, Brock Lamb Roosters, and Jack Cogger. So two of their former Australian schoolboy halves or New South Wales junior halves moving on to different clubs. The Bulldogs is where Jack Cogger is going. And Lamb, apparently, his manager, he asked them to ring the Roosters, didn't care about money. He wants to play under Cooper Cronk for a year. Because I thought that was strange because with the the halves that are there, he's not going to have much of a chance, but he's taken the role for one year to be there with Cooper Cronk, Luke Keary, and under Trent Robinson. So uh, they're both moving on, but apparently Frawley might be heading up there for a depth signing behind Connor Watson, Callum Ponga, depending if he plays fullback, and Mitchell Pearce. That should tell you everything about why the Roosters signed Cooper Cronk. Mm -hmm. St. George, apparently keen, trying to find some... Value on Corey Riddell from Penrith, who's had an outstanding Smart. back end of the year for New South Wales Cup. Come back from a pec tear. He got sent off, didn't he? Last uh, week before. Didn't say that, but with his first four weeks back after that pec tear, he got me out of the match. So. Mm. He got sent off. Versatile football. Missed, missed the weekend's game. Well, there you go. Didn't say that, but Corey Riddell, apparently they're keen to add to their top Smart. 30 for next year. So. Great kid. Um, I played under his dad for three years when I was a, when I was a kid, so... Um, Good back row, ability to play centre, can play a little bit of six if need be, good ball runner. And just a good kid. Strong, hard work ethic. Cameron King, he's also got here apparently options only in the Super League that he's looking for now. No I'm NRL club Kane. Fair, like a lot of injuries. sides have dabbled with yeah. him. But... Injuries, multiple clubs. It gets to a point yeah. where no one will touch you. So Cameron King, uh, you know, in, injuries are a curse to some people and they just keep reoccurring and that's been the theme for his whole career. So maybe a change of scenery is as good a holiday for him. David Ferner, sorry to the fiends, apparently will be the next head coach of Leeds. So there you go. There you go. Mr. Gossett reckons big Fernsey heading over to Leeds, Brock. What do you think? You're a Leeds man. I thought Sir Kev was going to be the coach. Sir Kev's, no, he's only caretaker. All right, there you go. He's going to be head of football over there, I think. And for everyone last and week. Sir Kev, one of the only, well, I think one of the smartest players in this generation, that's for sure. Like He, he might have got tossed up. And people would scoff at the, his ability to be compared with Cameron Smith and some of our elite players. Well, I do, but in terms, he of his, the Super in terms of his intelligence, a smarter footballer as you will ever see. Not knocking that, but if you want to prove a point, you can't play in the NRL. You That's never fine. did that. So to me, you can't compare him to the players we've got over here. Outstanding in the Super League, class career. But he's intelligent. Class, is my point. Yeah, I'm not knocking so, that. But I'm never going to be able to give him um, that. And kind that's of why range. he's jumped straight into a job like that and he's doing a good job. It looks like he'll get leads out of the, the shit that they're in um, and back into the Super League next year. 
Anyone that asked last week about the Seguiara to the Dogs deal, Mr. Gossip has come back and reaffirmed that it will be done soon. They're just finalising some details. So Seguiara apparently, according to Mr. They've Gossip... they got some other things to sort out this week, the yeah. Doggies. Apparently they are going, and he's also got here what we spoke about before, Cartwright to Manly. He will be their next coach. Wow. That will be happening. So there you go. And the last bit he's got here is him just in general. He is absolutely filthy that Penrith apparently will not be considering an offer for Isaac Luke. They probably can't afford it. So he's a panther man, Mr. Gossip, but he is filthy apparently that they will not look at Isaac Luke. But... Parramatta should be looking at him. There you go. There's all the gossip for this week, brought to you by the Pro Sports Syndicate. And now we move into our tips segment, brought to you by them also. And last week, Brock said you dropped one. We had all the same tips bar one game. So you got five. Then Gossip got six. So that brings it to you're on 105, Gossip on 107. And I still have the one-point lead on 108. Four games, finals time this weekend. And we kick things off with the Melbourne Storm against the South Sydney Rabbitohs down there in Melbourne. On Melbourne side of things, there's plenty of players back this weekend, Billy Slater obviously returns at fullback. Suli uh, is back on the wing. Kevin Munster back at 5'8". Jerome Hughes is into the 7 jersey. And, uh, yeah, there's a couple of changes, obviously, with players dropping back out of the squad. Brandon Smith returns on the bench, which pushes Ryan Hoffman out of that squad. And Souths, uh, they're unchanged, which is no surprise from last week. And Sam Burgess healthy to go. Who do you see winning this one down there, Box? Well, you're going to tip South, so I'll tip Melbourne. Yeah, well, you and Mr. Gossip have both tip the storm and we all know that I usually like to do the reverse jinx in this case I actually think Souths are going to win but if they didn't I'd be very happy I think we do a little bit of a preview of what you think up to this game now we've only got four games left why do you think Melbourne beat Souths I don't I think Souths will beat Melbourne I'm only tipping that you just tip game oh okay points. well let's preview the so game I think Souths um, well I just like Souths I don't think Melbourne are fit I think Souths well they beat Melbourne what four weeks ago quite convincingly they did uh, it was up here obviously the, the concern is their record at Amy Park. Melbourne have got a huge advantage there, no doubt. Seven so, from seven against South. I like South footy. I think their middle will be a lot better than Melbourne's. Uh, but Melbourne have got the best defence in the comp. So if there's anyone that's going to stifle it, it will be the Storm. But I just don't see them competing if South can get even share of the ball, complete their sets... Uh, and roll through the middle, particularly with the Burgesses and Cook on the back of it. Well, I think they showed a couple of weeks ago the main thing, like you said, is you can break Melbourne down in the ruck, and if they do win the ruck, they have a massive chance of running over the top of Melbourne like they did. Penrith sort of did it last week. Like the big, beat them in the middle. The big edge thing that I'm worried about is the Chase Blair edge, which uh, on that side of the field, I'm pretty sure that he's playing. Oh, no, where's he on the left? He's on the left. Mel- Chase Blair's on the left. Okay, I've mixed up the sides there. I was going to say, I thought he might have been on the Greg English side of the field. So if he's on that left-hand edge, what they're going at, uh, south's left, Melbourne's right, they're going to be asked plenty of questions. Yeah. Um, but if he's not playing on that side of the field, are you sure about that? Pretty sure he's on the left. doesn't matter. What does it matter? Well, <laughs> defensively, I don't think yeah. he's that great. So that's more what I'm getting at. But I think south's more important than what you said. It's in the all Curtis the Scott's on the right. Chase Blair's on the left. No yeah. doubt in my mind. Everything starts in the ruck, plain and simple. Mm. Uh, if they don't stop the Burgesses rolling on, Cook tore them to shreds last time. They showed that they can get Melbourne up the middle. Cody Walker, those blokes playing that chaos and added the football off the back of it. That's where it starts for Melbourne. For Melbourne, kicking, controlling, and the biggest thing all year, they make more handling errors than anyone in the competition. If they keep well, dropping them, the football... The roosters. Yeah, if they drop too much football and give Souths good field position, I don't think they're going to match them in the middle. I'll be able to hold them out on the back-to-back sets. Something that I expected to change, but just hasn't. It's been a nasty trend for Melbourne all year. No, it hasn't. And Mr. Gossip, he agrees with you. He's on the Storm, and the Melbourne Storm are $1.80 with a Pro Sports Syndicate. Souths, 2.05. The line there, minus 1. 
and a half in this game. We'll make game. that clear. I'm tipping South, but I'm going to tip Melbourne to try and ga- catch yeah, up on points. Yeah, try to gain points. points. Yep. So. There you go. Panthers, Warriors, Saturday at ANZ Stadium, 5.30 there. Uh, this one hopefully going to be a pretty loose contest for the Panthers. Corey Harawir and Ira from Concussion Protocol returns on the bench in place of Jack Hetherington for the Warriors. Blake Gehring returns at 5.8 to replace Mason Lena, which is massive. James Garvey is back at prop, pushing Bunty Afoa to the bench and Leverpoolu to the reserves. And Jared Beal is on the bench replacing Chris Sarte. So, Sheck and Mannering didn't train with injuries during the week. They're apparently going to be managed throughout, so they should be right to go. But uh, I'm on the Warriors here. I think both these teams have yo-yo potential and you don't quite know what you're going to get. But I've seen a much better in recent times from the Warriors. I think Blake Green coming back adds that control. I think the set starts will be really, really powerful and they'll be fired up after being absent from the finals mm. for so long. And uh, Maloney's edge will be the target and I think that's going to be a bit of a gold mine for the Warriors because that's where Tohu Harris, Sean Johnson, Fusitura are going to be attacking. So I like that matchup for the Warriors. Again, I tend to lean on your side. I like the Warriors, but I'll tip Penrith to catch up in the tips. Oh. Um, but I think, yeah, I'll be back on the Warriors. They played a couple of weeks ago and the Warriors pulled them apart, so... Yep. I, don't, I don't see that changing. And Mr. Gossip, he's on the Panthers as well. So there you go. There's a bit of catch-ups going on. Yeah, well, you're both chasing after, and that's fair enough. And the Panthers, with the pro sports ticket, they're $1.74 favorite. The New Zealand Warriors, $2.15, so outside value there. If you like the Warriors, minus 2.5 is the line in this game. The one I'm really looking forward to, probably most looking forward to, to be honest, out of all of them, Roosters versus the Sharks there at Allianz Stadium Saturday night. The Roosters, they are 1-17, but they've made a change with Victor Radley returning to the starting team. Liu moving back to the second row and Orbison to the bench. Ricky Latelli for the Sharks. He returns in the centres, bumping Catewell to the bench and Scott Sorensen out. Jesse Ramian is in the reserve, so we'll have to see as the week progresses if he finds his way I think Ramian will play. into the lineup. But I am very happy that Catewell's on the bench, and I don't know how he's not there more often because the fact he can play middle, back row, centre, I think he's very underrated footballer. I like Catewell. I think also he's good. Like He's, he's clearly, good. for me, in their best 17. He's a first grader. Regardless of his versatility. He's a first grader, 100%. Uh, I'm going to tip the Roosters, not with a hell of a lot of confidence because, again, like we said, things have been patchy throughout the year. But if the Sharks can get at them, get in the grind, upset their forward pack, get them into a dogfight as they do so well, we've seen that the Roosters can make errors. They can make penalties. I have no doubt in my mind they'll be peppering Daniel Tupo, and particularly in yardage. And their back five is really, really good, the Roosters. But if the Sharks get stuck in on there, and particularly Daniel Tupo, uh, an unsettled apple cart, I have no doubt as well. Uh, kick pressure from Wade Graham, in particular at Cooper Cronk. We've seen it before at Origin. We saw it in that grand final the other year. They're going to put him on his ass as many times as they can. And they've unsettled him before. Yeah. That's going to be another big focal point for this game. But again, it's all starting in the middle. Whoever wins the forward battle, more than likely, is going to win this game. You're tipping. Roosters. I'm tipping the Roosters. Yeah, I'll tip the Sharks. There you go. 50-50 game. Um, I, yeah, tough one. I just like the Sharkies. I, I like the Sharks as well. And I think, you know, it's, it'd be a massive, massive result if they can get themselves just into the fall like they did and then snatch themselves the, Roosters, the week off. The Roosters have struggled with sides that have been physical and have got a bit of niggle in them. I think the Broncos game showed that. The Broncos really... Got them on tilt. Yeah, I think they did. Um, so I think the Sharks can do do a job on them. Yep. And the Roosters traditionally, this is the game they struggle with. They've won a lot of minor premierships, but they, they struggle to this win. This in the prelim. Yeah. They've made their way back to win the prelim a lot of times after losing week one. Games. And then they've lost that one. So they're looking to buck a trend this season. Mr. Gossett, he agrees. What with... side will they fall on, the Roosters? If they get beat, who will they play? The winner of Warriors-Penrith, is it? Warriors-Penrith. Yeah, okay. 
You wouldn't want to be running into the... And the other side of the draw gets South or Storm, whoever wins out of Broncos. Dragons. You have to double-check it because we don't have it in front of us. But Well, I had it posted up on oh, the Facebook page the other day to show how things worked out. So I can get that in front of us right now. And when it eventually loads, yeah. So the winner of the Broncos-Dragons game will be playing the loser of Storm Sharks. And on the flip side, the winner of Panthers-Warriors will be playing the loser of Rooster Sharks. Sorry? Yeah. Yeah, so it's the opposite of what we said. Yeah, they'll play. The, they'll have to play the Warriors or the Panthers, yeah? Yeah, you Is just that said right? that. Sorry, yeah, play. got you, got you. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's a nasty... And then you flip to the opposite side. I think that's a nasty side. So what could happen here is if the Roosters potentially lost this game and then they have to play Panthers or Warriors, then they'll be awaiting probably South Sydney or Melbourne. Mm. So that's the hard way around. They'd yeah. be better off just winning through here. No different to Melbourne. For Melbourne side of things, if they lost to South, then had to beat the Broncos, they're going to have to play the Sharks with their bogey side or the Roosters mm. if they were to get through the long way around. So that's yeah. why it just makes it so hard if you don't these win. These are mini grand finals. Yeah. No doubt. They're mini grand finals, these two qualifiers for the top four sides. Yeah. yeah. To... to Consolidate your uh, your position as a top four team. Yep, Mister Gossip, he's on the Roosters as well. And with the Pro Sports Syndicate, the Roosters are a dollar fifty seven favorite. The Sharks two forty five, so value there. And I definitely think that game should be closer as far as the uh, the pricing's concerned. And the line is minus four and a half, so I don't mind the four and a half start on the Sharks. I think that one would be an absolute dog fight. Uh, the one game that seems the most obvious, but you never know what can happen in finals. Suncorp Stadium, four pm Sunday, Broncos. I think everything. He's built in their favour here to beat the Dragons. As far as team changes, Andrew McCulloch returns at hooker, allowing Josh Maguire to go back to lock, off Ian Gowie back to the bench, which just strengthens that aspect of their game, which is already great. Alex Glenn is also back in the second row with Fafita back to the bench and Stags 18th man. Pengai Jr., named to start. But yeah, David Fafita, Corbin Sims, Joe for Gowie, Pat Mago, size, offloads, footwork, impact like that. Their bench is outstanding. On the Dragons side of things, You've got Gareth Whitop, who's back at 5'8", which is huge. Kurt Mann goes back to the bench with Jai Field out of the squad. Uh, DeBellin has been named, but he was in a moon boot to start the week, so you have to see what happens there. And you and Aiken and Nightingale are in the reserve. So regardless of whether those guys play or not, they're all busted, or they're all going to be playing with injuries. They're not 100%. Suncorp's enough of an advantage as it is in, in a club game, let alone a finals game, 4 p.m. on a Sunday afternoon. Oh, I really think the Broncos are just going to run over the top of them. Yeah, Broncos. So Mr. Gossip agrees with us there. Sorry to the Dragons fans out there, but yeah, I don't see a lot of scenarios where things come up good for him here. Uh, that bench as well, like I said, it doesn't come on and maintain the rage. If anything, it steps it up. They've got second phase. They get bumps. They get quick play the balls off the back of it. They've got edges. They've got running halves. Um, the only way really for the Dragons is to stifle them. They have to stifle them, create errors, get them frustrated. But stopping that roll on those in that second phase is pretty hard. But the Broncos with the Pro Sports Syndicate are a dollar thirty favorite. The Dragons. 370, the line in this one, minus 10.5, so that's a pretty decent line. Uh, but I just uh, I, I think a line like that says that they know, well, they, they're they high on St. George getting beat, but, you know, do you want to gamble that they get beat by less than 10.5? I don't, I don't really want to. Mm, yeah, it's a difficult one. It could be a close game. It could be a six-point game and then Brisbane score late and you get dudded. Like, mm. no thanks. Well, there you go. There's the tips. Uh I'm on South on my own. I'm on the Warriors on my own. So there's two games where you can potentially make points up. You've also gone the opposite in the Roosters game. So you've got three games there to potentially make up a bit of ground, but we're all tipped the Broncos unanimously. So Mm -hmm. look at the premiership market, the Roosters, they're 325, Storm 450, South 475. The value for me is in between the Sharks and the Broncos at 650 and $9. Uh, 
Uh, the Broncos at nine, pretty good value. But like Sharks at six fifty to me, being two or three dollars away from the other two, I really like that value. And if they win this week, you'd be feeling a lot better about the situation as well. So Warriors seventeen dollars, bit outside value. Penrith, if you really believe at twenty one dollars, and the Dragons at thirty four, I wouldn't be touching that. That's for sure. Enjoy your finals, footy. But, um, yeah. There's the finals markets. There's your tips. Thanks to the Pro Sports Syndicate. Will, Matt, all the boys there. Big thanks to them. Keep your eyes out for the affiliate links and the best bets. 10 from 14. Real consistency there. The package tips. Uh, again, the lines this year. It's almost basically a 20% profit return on that. Thanks to the Penrith Solar Center. Get on to Jake and the boys there. If you're looking for a system heading into summer, was and the boys at the Pan Boltmaster. If you're trading like myself, get all your tools and your supplies there. But there you go. Finals week one is upon us who will progress to the prelims whose season will be over out of the elimination finals and who will drop back to play sudden death football week two after finishing in the top four only time will tell enjoy your week and enjoy your rugby league bring it on give us more give us more where are you going where what's going on here is that it is that it Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.